Welcome to this guy's sick. I am Sam Valentine, and this is your spoiler warning. I know, weird. I don't normally open with a spoiler warning, but we are talking about The Crow. And while the movie The Crow is from 1994, I understand that a lot of people may not have seen that. If you were interested in The Crow, and you should be because it's a fantastic fucking movie, but if you're interested in it and you want to watch it, press pause right now before the episode starts. Go and watch it, come back, listen to us talk about it. We're going to dig real deep into the story, into the lore, and also discuss Hollywood's attempts at remaking it, which I'll just say now, some people are not aware. There's been maybe five failed attempts at this point to remake The Crow, and it always seems to just fall flat and everything comes apart at the seams every single time they've tried to make it. Uh, Jason Momoa was linked. There's now another one that was signed up at the beginning of this year, another movie, but then there's no details on it. It was meant to go into pre-production um, in 2020, but obviously COVID changed that. And this is just a movie that seems to go around the loop and people don't seem to be able to get off the ground. And we dig into why that is. We dig into you know how iconic the original is. And then we make suggestions. If someone is going to remake this classic movie. Here's how you do it without shitting on the original. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm, I'm Sam Valentine. This is This Guy's Sick. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to This Guy's Sick. I am Sam Valentine. And I'm being joined by Scott. It's what just, up? The two, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us, you and I. And today we're talking about one of my personal favourite films. And I know it's one of your personal oh, favourite buddy, films. Oh, buddy, is it? The, the Crow. And the, the thing with the movie The Crow is, and I just want to throw this out there, so many people haven't seen it now because it's, it's vintage, right? It's old. Oh, it's 1994. Yeah, it's nearly 30 years old now. So a lot of people haven't seen it and a lot of people don't know the hype. Um, my missus didn't understand. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing an episode of Crow. She's like, what's that about? And I was like, what? What? This is blasphemous. What do you mean, what's that about? I don't think my missus has seen it. It's it's just one of those things. I don't think everyone, I don't think everyone has seen it at this point because because of how old it is and any chance of a remake that's come up, which has been multiple times now. Since 2008 was the first um, rumor of... uh of a studio buying the rights and going to remake it. It's had like five or six different writers and directors attached to it, about five different actors attached to the the lead the lead character yeah. role. I mean, most, most recently, Jason Momoa, the, the last time, and then you were telling me that re- this year, someone else has picked up the rights again. And Yeah, it was um, Sony had bought it. I okay. think Sony had bought the rights from Dimension or whoever whoever had the rights at that. Uh, Dimension, that a Weinstein company. Yeah, they had the they bought the rights and then they were going to pump money into it and it had been greenlit. Script was written, everything was ready to go. Um, was oh, it? Oh, I can't remember. Bloody, is it Corey? It's the guy that did the Nun. The guy oh, that directed shit. the nun. I, yeah, I can't. I can't think of. Yeah, he he was uh, he was attached to direct, and Jason Momoa. That's why Jason Momoa signed on because he's a big fan of that director, and he was really excited to do it. And then I think they were literally like a month away from starting production, and then Sony just went, "Nope, put on the plug." Well, it had some strange elements in it, like Top Dollar now being a woman was in there, which. And I have no problem with, with having a, a woman as your villain, but they're going to have to fight at some point. Yeah, but if you remember, it depends on how they, what, where they were going to follow it. 
Because if you this one was supposed to be more based on the graphic novel, yeah. And if you've read the graphic novel, Top Dollar's not the big bad. T Bird is. Yeah. So you could have easily had a woman in in Top Dollar's position, position because obviously T Bird's the one on one that. Yeah. He, he's the one responsible for well, the. In the novel, T Bird is basically the same um, physique and look as Tintin. Yeah. The the black knife thrower. Yeah, that he's was, a fucking he, cool actor, that dude. He yeah. plays plays Tintin actually. And you know that was literally this. So that's where they changed everything around. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time since uh, um, O'Bar, James O'Bar. James yeah, O'Bar. it's been a long time since I've read the comic. Actually, 80, a miserable like 80, fucker. I think it was that like eighty six, maybe a bit. Oh, maybe not that. It's no, def- it's definitely the eighties. Def- didn't he have like his wife or his girlfriend die in a car accident or his some sh- something happened wife, to him? I think him and his wife or his wife was involved in a car accident with a drunk driver. And she died. And then he went through massive, massive spell of depression. And he joined the army. And then while he was in the army, he started penning all the, uh, like, the rough idea and started doing, like, the the, the, car, you know, the cartoon blocks for a, uh, for a graphic novel. Yeah. While he, while he was, while he was deployed. Well, when he was stationed out. So I think it was yeah, in because, Amsterdam or something like that. Because he, he was, was an unknown at the time. He wasn't a known artist, writer. He was just a dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just—he was just some guy who had a, who had an idea for a story. Cause it was it was that it was a mix of the what happened to his wife, and he'd read a story in a pa- in the paper about a, uh, a couple that were were murdered by a gang for a twenty dollar for a twenty dollar engagement ring, and that's where he put, that's where he based the uh, the idea for it was something he read yeah. in the paper. And he obviously used his grief from his losing his wife or his girlfriend at the time and, to fuel the depressive look of yeah, the uh, and, of the book. And if you. Say anything about depression you want. It can fuel some fantastic fucking art and oh, yeah. music and writing. Like it really can. Like it can. It can fuel. And in fact, it's a cathartic reason that they do it because they get it out. They get. Yeah, they get it out of themselves. Yeah. Way to vent. So a few little stats about the crow that I've got. I, I, I prepared some stats for this one. Yeah. So obviously, it came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. It was recorded in 1993. Yeah. Which is when the tragic death of Brandon Lee that took place. Yep. Uh, it was directed by Alex Proyas, mm-hmm. who directed Dark City, which is a fucking great movie, yeah. oh, and wow. iRobot, who ah. also directed. Uh, starring Brandon Lee. Yep. Starring Ernie Hudson, who you, everyone should remember from Ghostbusters. He was, if you look at it in terms of star power, he was technically the biggest he name on, the, that, on that build, on that he's, lineup. And he's fantastic in it. Yeah, he, he plays that sort of black dad yeah, in a way that Cosby used to, before before, before he tainted his name before before the uh... but in a stern, protecting way, that you look at him and go like that's actually a really good black role model yeah. is his character in it. I know he's lost his wife, but he's lost his wife because he's dedicated to his job, and that the death that happens in the movie is kind of what spurs his spurs him to just be well, dedicated we'll and he's getting put back on the beat as they yeah because they're yeah. like leave the story alone it's like well someone fucking killed him like it's yeah. not just an accident um and you know he's 74 years old now is he and he looks just as good now as he did then the guy's like not aged at all he's, he's going f- in the new ghostbusters apparently him and all the original cast are gonna make cameos in that new ghostbusters film apart from out. one obviously well obviously apart from one he gone he's no yeah. longer with us uh Michael Wincott, who I think in the film is fantastic. So he's another person who stars in it. Michael Wincott, he, he's, he's top dollar. Mm-hmm. Most known outside of that for uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He's the cousin of uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. 
The one he murders with a spoon. Oh, no, no. He says, at least it wasn't a spoon when he stabs him. That's what he says to him. Yeah. Um, he's, got... he's in like the opening scene. Of, oh, he's in like the early part of Alien Resurrection as well. He is in Alien Resurrection too, yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he, I wonder if he does voice work because he's got like that raspy, evil voice. Like, he's perfect for voice work, that I've guy. I've seen him in things, but it's been a... It's been a while, and I've never seen him in anything big either, which is a shame because he's actually a pretty decent... For the role he plays of Top Dollar... Like that's such a fucking evil role. The guy nails it. Every scene he's in, oh, he's yeah, a he's sinister. Si- he is, yeah, he's sinister as hell when it comes to his uh, his portrayal of Top Dollar. Yeah, it's just believable too. Like you wouldn't want to run into this evil fuck. Like just a an evil guy who's also got his eye on the occult. There's a, there's like elements of witchcraft and stuff going on, which are in the movie, but don't get too. Again, there's yeah. lots of stuff in the film that doesn't get dug into too much, which is a shame, but. You've got an hour and forty minutes to tell a story. To tell a, to tell a story where literally a guy has to go for an entire gang to uh, to get to the ending. So you know, yeah, he kind of rushed through it a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was also he's like the last film he was in was um, <laughs> he was in Ghost in the Shell. Oh, really? Yeah, he's played Doctor Osmond. Whoever that was, yeah, I've, I've seen, seen it, but it. I can't remember. I can't. I've remember never it. seen um, it. I didn't. I had no interest in watching that pile of crap. Anything and then you know the next the next big name in it is Biling. Crank 2 is the thing I remember in the most. But she's been in all sorts of shit. She's been in Entourage. She's been in Lost. But she has these, like, she does, she's one of these actresses that shows up, like, for one episode of everything you've ever watched, you know? When they need a weird little Chinese girl, that's who they go and get. She's in Wild Wild West. Yeah, she's like the, yeah, well, she plays again, a Chinese sort of dancer or something in that, yeah. And then, uh, I suppose, the last big name. Oh, she was in Reve- she was in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, was she? Yep. Yeah, uh, she's one of the senators. So, oh wait, okay, no, it was a deleted scene. <laughs> so that's why I don't remember but, her in but, that. She wasn't. But in she film. appears in so much random stuff. Like, um, there's a really good indie film she's in called Edmund. But oh, again, yeah. she has a bit part. Um, and that is about a guy who goes to get his tarot read one day. He's right. fed up with his job, uh-huh. and it says, "You are not where you're meant to be, but one day you will be." He takes that as this sign to go and split up with his wife. He's like, I'm going to split up with my wife. I'm done. He leaves. I'm going to get some strange. He tries to get prostitutes. It all goes fucking wrong. He goes to this like strip bar where they put dollars through a, a, a wall. And then a shield comes down and you get to see people stripping. And it's her. By links, the stripper. That's and in he's um, like, City of Angels. Yeah, that sort of scene. I've not seen that in a long time. Is that the one with Edward Furlong? Nope, City that's Wicked Prayer. That's Wicked Prayer. Um, um, City of Angels is the second one. That's um, I think it's no, it's not Iggy Pop. It's one of his one of Iggy Pop's crew that do the uh, basically the same as what happened in the first one. Oh right. That's where he gets his uh, gets his comeuppance. Is the guy goes to one of those those sort of like strip places, yeah weird places puts yeah. his money in. And as the slide drops, the guy playing the crow and that one's literally just sitting behind there. He's sitting all stride <laughs> wait, waiting for him and he then literally just dives through That's the window. That's quite a cool fucking scene though. Yeah, right? it is. Um, yeah, so she, she's that. And, he, and the only thing I remember her in that film is he's like, no, I've paid money for this. I don't even get a hand job. So she puts her hand through the thing. She's like, get your dick out. Get your dick out. Like, <laughs> I give you a hand job. And uh, the end of Edmund, I, no one's going to watch it. It's a tiny fucking indie film. Um, he ends up murdering someone. 
in like and being overly racist about it for some reason because he he flips. It's like falling down oh. where the character eventually just loses it, takes drugs, loses it, murders murders a girl he sleeps with. He ends up getting laid, but he kills her. He he, he just goes that off. Bad, was it? He goes off the rails. Yeah, must, she must have had terrible pussy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then the final scene is he's in prison with his black boyfriend in the cell, <laughs> and it's like now I know where I'm meant to be. <laughs> it's such a it's such a fucking okay. strange movie it's such a strange movie um and other than uh biling the only other name that stands out is obviously uh michael massey uh no anna anna thompson or her personality name, oh, anna, anna, anna levine played darla darla she's right, been yeah. she's been like the she's been in the unforgiven uh, she's in Fatal Attraction. They're all they're all uh, true romance, but they're all yeah small. But she was not in the twilight of her career, but older, obviously in that film, I guess. Um, well, the character she's played meant to be older, but I don't know if she is. She, well, she's born in fifty three. She's in her sixties now. Yeah. yeah, she's six. Why well, she's sixty seven now? Yeah. Oh, she was yeah. So she was active from nineteen sixty eight. Fucking hell. To two thousand and twelve. So she, yeah, she's been in shitloads yeah. of things over her time. But I think yeah, nothing. Scrolling through her uh, her wiki, it's nothing. If she what she if she's been in something of like note, it's all been small parts because like she was in Bad Boys, playing Francine, but I can't even remember who Francine no, was. No, I mean, in Bad see Boys. that a lot of the people in this movie, when you actually look them up, haven't done much since. Um, mm, no. And they say that they say the movie's cursed, like. Um, Oh, it's a curse. Is why they've never been able to make another one on this. Why they've never been able to do a decent sequel that has been a big budget. Like no one wants to take a risk on it. Obviously, the death of Brandon Lee is involved as well. And when you actually look through it, apart from my Michael Massey, David no one's Patrick, really David Patrick Kelly. He's been in quite a lot. He played um, T Bird. T Bird. Yeah, well, he was around. But again, he was another one that was in the twilight of his career. I mean, he was in uh, he was Warriors in and he was in John Wick. He was in John Wick. And One and two. Must, must be a lot older in that as well. Yeah, and he was also in, um, I remember him being in The Longest Yard. The um, Adam Sandler one, The Longest Yard, yeah, where he goes to prison and they play football. With they Steve play football. Austin in it. Yeah. 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 yeah, he was the he was the um, the pyromaniac who fucking kills the old, who kills, um, the old boy. Yeah, he's, um, he was in The Warriors, famously. Oh, was he in that? the Warriors was come that... out to play. Yay. Oh, fuck, it was him, it's wasn't him. it? Yeah. Jesus. And he was in his 20s then. And that's in the like fucking 70s or something that yeah, film came out. So, what's we'll he? He was born. Oh, okay. So he's about, yeah, he's 69. Yeah. He... So he's, yeah, 69. Nice. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's obviously, obviously it's Michael Massey, yeah, who's Michael Massey. 24. He was a villain in 24. Great villain in 24. Amazing Spider Man 1 and 2. He was in that. Was he in that? Um, oh, the Gentleman. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a huge role, but he's he's in it. Spider Man one and two. He's 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 been in a lot of things, um, yeah. and he had a big career. But obviously, he again tragically died in uh, twenty sixteen. Mm, stomach cancer. Yeah, and if you were to say yeah. the movie was somewhat cursed, that was, that was his second film as well. The Crow. Yeah, yeah. The second ever. His first major role in a second ever. Film. He was in seven as well, but. Barely anything. Yeah. But, you know, the movie never... It's weird. For a movie that made 50 million in the box office, which was a lot for the 90s, that nothing... nothing. I think the tragedy sort of outweighed it a little bit. Well, I was thinking about this last night, and, you know, I, got, I, I wonder if... 
as horrible as it is to say, if Brandon hadn't died, would the film have been successful? Would it have had the same cult following it had? Was it literally the, the, the general media around the fact that he died while making this film that propelled it to the same sort of impact that it had in the cinema and why it, why it literally generated over half of its budget? Quite possibly. Um, and the, the other thing with that as well is this movie was meant to be his coming out, right? Oh, yeah. This, this, this was this, the movie that was meant to make his career. This, this was going to be, he was going to be, it was going to break him out. Because he'd only, like, the biggest thing he'd been in was, um, oh, is it Trouble in Little, Trouble in Little Tokyo or something like that? Oh, he, Big Trouble in Little China. No, 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 no right? that's, um, Kurt Russell. That's it. Yeah, that's good. No, he was in. No, I wondered if he was like random in that. No, no, he was the main role in this in that film. God damn it! I literally saw it last night as well. And it's completely gone from my head. What the film was? Uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, he was in that with Dolph Lundgren. Okay. That was his. Like that was literally at the time because he'd only done Legacy of Rage in '86. Laser Mission in '89. Then there was Showdown in Little Tokyo in '91. And Rapid Fire in '92. So all those are just tiny, kind of shitty action, straight to video action flicks. Yeah, yeah, that's which isn't too far off what a lot of his his dad did. To be fair, a lot of Bruce Lee movies at first were like no one knew about them, and then suddenly he got huge, like almost out of nowhere. Everyone wanted to be Bruce Lee. Well, yeah, he kind of Bruce Lee kind of started that. The more um, mainstream look of martial arts films yeah. back then because obviously you watch anything like Big Boss um, Fist of Fury Game of not Game of Death um, damn it what was the one with um, Where the Dragon Where the Dragon yeah, like that yeah. you know those were the great films very very like incredible films but it's all Hong Kong yeah Hong Kong and China you, they, none of it ever really saw the light of day in, in the Western market because there wasn't really an interest in it. No, no. And it was only when he started, people started knowing who he was in the West. If you look at like End of the Dragon, which I think was his last film. If I remember uh, Game of Death technically was. They've released it and you can't, it, it, you know. Oh, because there's parts of it where it's not him, right? Yeah, that, same yeah, sort of thing. Same sort of thing, yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, but yeah, his last, his main, his main release because he died three months Three months, a couple of months before um, Enter the Dragon was due to be released. And yeah. that literally, same thing with what happened with Brandon that would have made him a household name in, in the Western yeah, world. Yeah, because when you look at when Enter the Dragon came out, everyone who was like a, a teenage boy knew who Bruce Lee was before that movie came out. If you watch Green Hornet. Yeah. Because he was... He, he was, was, was K.O. K.O. and yeah. Green Hornet. And they knew who he was and they saw the posters and then people were, at that point... You knew this big martial arts movie's coming out with Bruce Lee. People started paying attention, getting his old movies, getting like dubs or whatever yeah. at the time. That kids kids between the ages of like thirteen to twenty all knew who fucking Bruce Lee was. Mm-hmm. And that movie was gonna be huge. And then he, he again died. Like <laughs> basically laid the path for like Jet Lee and uh, Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen to kind of be more known in the Western world. Yeah. Yeah, well, they were looking for a replacement. The foundation, yeah. foundation. Well, Jackie Chan pretty much was that replacement. Yeah. He was in he was in Enter the Dragon. Only at the start, one of the guys that Bruce Lee's sparring with is Jackie Chan. Yeah. When he, before he became like a big 
the biggest star in China before he did, yeah. before he did police story and stuff and, like and that. it's always one of those things like like with with Brandon and with Bruce you don't know what history could be very different cinema history could be very different if both these two guys had survived yeah especially with like martial arts movies they ended up Chuck Norris obviously again in Enter the Dragon ended up being the American star of of those movies at the time period yeah. as a result of all this stuff but Bruce Lee would have been bigger than Chuck was Oh, yeah. had he had he survived he would have been oh, the yeah. guy because he was a good looking guy too bruce lee because he wasn't a fully chinese he was actually from what i'm pretty sure i read on his wikipedia he was actually born in la yeah but raised in in hong kong or china yeah so and we and people might go oh, what do you mean chinese people aren't good looking <laughs> what i'm saying is at that time period you needed to be a little bit more western to Grip the Western uh, to market. grip the Western market, yeah. Bruce Lee was on that edge of being exotic and Western enough, mm. and could speak the language well enough that he could have gripped that market. And he was a good-looking dude too. He had he had some good friends over there. He would have had a good connection. Steve McQueen was one of it. Was a good mate of his. He trained Steve McQueen. Yeah, fighting that. So you know he would have had that backing over there as well. So he would definitely put him in some of his later films and that. For, I, I'd imagine so for sure, yeah. especially once Bruce's name. Oh yeah, once was it there. out there, yeah. which it did. And it is, a, it is, you know, there, we won't go into the conspiracy theories around both their deaths. Just, we will mention it briefly that the people do say there is a curse. That there's, there's curse a, in the family, or, or the mafia own, did it. Yeah. The triads did both of them in because they're bitter about an old. Yeah, because Bruce wouldn't star in any of the triad-funded movies yes. in Hong Kong. Yeah, he had, he had morals and wouldn't get involved yeah, in putting money, money in their in pockets, which yeah. is a, a, an admirable thing. Yeah. But it is weird when looking at both of them, a father and son, both die. In making movies, or in a, in and around making movies, that would have made them massive stars. And these were the movies that were about to launch their careers. Yeah. And I think even at that point, I think Brandon may have even had a big bigger career than what his dad could have had, because he was. He, he was a fucking good. He was a really good looking dude, mm -hmm. a really fucking good looking guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if uh, do, you, do you know the actor Mark DeCascos? I think he's done some crow stuff as well. He was. Um, it almost looks a spitting image of fucking Brandon Lee. They look really. Yeah, similar. he was actually one of the guys when they were when they were trying to reboot it. He was one of the guys that was originally was signed to the project at one yeah. point. He, like, he, when I seen his photo yesterday, I was like, "Fucking yeah, he looks yeah, he's just really, like Brandon." Again, a really good actor, but has never been given his um, due. I think he might even be in John Wick actually, Mark Dacascos. Now I'm thinking about it. I saw him in something within the last few years, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Crying Freeman. That's fucking Mark Dacascos. No one knows who this guy is, and he's showing up in movies." Um, and he, he's another one it's just a fantastic martial artist actor that never really had a big yeah he was in John Wick Chapter 3 Chapter 3 yeah Drive yeah well he's also um, he's also won loads of karate and kung fu tournaments when he was a kid from the age of 7 to 18 he was in yeah. martial arts tournaments so he knows that he knows exactly how to do the uh, the fights oh of course he was idiot he was in the TV series The Crow. That makes me yeah. That I knew he was, he was linked in, to yeah, it in some way. He yeah. was in Stairway to Heaven. And he's then also been, he's also been tied to Mortal Kombat recently as well. Yeah, he may have been. I don't know if he has been in any of those, but who's in Double Dragon? Jesus. He's he's a really good martial arts actor that never had the big career that he he could have had. You know, it's a weird one. No, yeah, well, he does. Um, he does Master Chef or something now? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, what was it? He was tied to um, Mortal Kombat Legacy, 
which I think was like that web series they did for a short amount of time. Yeah, he played Kung Lao four episodes in the in the okay, web that's series a good, of. There's a good casting. I think I think it's great casting. Um, but again, he, he, when it comes to recasting it now, he's too old to play the role, and trying to find a young guy to to do it, which Hollywood has been searching for for a long time. And I think maybe that's the problem. It's a little bit like when. Warner Brothers wanted to redo the rehab another Joker, having to follow Heath, not only because of Heath's performance, but also because of the fact that the guy died. Yeah, possibly as a result of studying for that movie, is a hard act to follow. That almost feels like they fucking buried Leto by giving him the role. Because people, no matter how good he was, no yeah. matter what he done or what it looked like, people were never going to take to that. But then they were going to take to whoever comes next, which. Was Jacqueline Phoenix? Yeah. On popular opinion, I actually like Leto's. Uh, I, I like it. Joker. I like. I like the portrayal. It was a different sort of Joker. I wasn't. It was kind of like more towards Jack Nicholson's gangster vibe. Just modernized. Yeah. And a lot of people hate. A lot. The problem is, edgier fans who like people that like um, Ledger's Joker, I can see them looking at Leto's Joker and going, "I hate it," because it's not. It doesn't fit their opinion. The tattoos, the hip hop music, but they're not thinking a modernized gangster. They're they're focusing too much on the like homeless, dirty Joker that that Ledger played. You know, there a lot of those people tend to ignore the fact that there is in theory one more than one portrayal of the Joker. Even the comic books, there's all, yeah. people always like look at classic animated series Joker with like Mark Hamill, the obviously same technically same Joker, the Arkham series, the ones that are portrayed in the films, the classic Joker from the like the 60s show. It's all the same sort of feature of the Joker, but yeah. if you look through the comic books and different authors have got their own different portrayals of the Joker, and Leto literally went for a different side of the Joker. He went for yeah. gangster Joker. Not so much as insane, but literally just as brute, just as yeah. fucking ruthless. I mean, Nicholson's one wasn't very insane. I mean, he was insane. But about, as insane, about as insane as Jack Nicholson's prepared to go. Yeah, and he wasn't. You know, he was playing a wise guy almost as the Joker. Well, he wasn't. He, well, he was. He was ex gang. He was a gang, yeah. a gang member, wasn't he? So he like mafia. And I think I think a big problem with anyone trying to recast the movie is that factor of Brandon Lee died during it. Yeah, the movie's cult status. Like you've got tattoos from it. Mm -hmm. You got a t-shirt on of it right now. Yeah. You know, even me, like today, I, I in our in our little chat, I was like, literally, my t one of my two of my top songs of twenty twenty, and this is just things I listen to come from that fucking soundtrack, which is uh, Time Baby, which is Medicine who do that. Yeah, Medicine. No, yeah. they don't have to take him away. That, mm -hmm. and then um, Nine Inch Nails as well from it. Like these That's, are songs no, I they're, fucking they're love. Co their cover of uh, Joy Division's Dead yeah. Souls. It's, it's a fucking fantastic songs, right? And oh, that literally that kind of that soundtrack literally like showed me Stone Temple, Stone Temple Pilots for the first yeah. time I'd never heard of them before I'd heard of Pantera but not as much as I do now yeah well that's what turned that that is that soundtrack that turned me on to Stone Temple Pilots yeah it's that, it's, it's that soundtrack like because yeah. you've got to think 1994 we were kids oh yeah I was I was six yeah and it's like I, I can't remember how old I was I was like fucking 10 or some shit yeah, yeah 10 years old and I must have watched that when I was when I was like well, probably when it first came out, really, because I remember, uh, I remember, Bradley died in this movie. Yeah, he died. He died making this, mm. and everyone talking about it. And then my cousin was like, 
maybe a year later after it'd come out, it's like, oh, Channel 4, I've got The Crow on tonight. And we're like, oh, fuck, The Crow's on. So I was like an 11-year-old. I didn't know this fucking stuff, yeah. you know? And it, 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 it completely changed forever my fucking musical stylings, this fucking movie, because yeah. it introduced me to stuff that I wouldn't hear anywhere else. I mean, I, I, my, my parents had it on video from, the, from when it came out, because my brother's big big martial arts like Bruce Lee fans Jackie Chan fans all that sort of thing I mean my brothers are pretty much the reason why that watch half the stuff I do and why I'm into it it's from their influence because my parents were like yeah it's too violent you're too young for that and my brothers were like come, come on come, come around Oz we'll, we'll watch this they got me into Tarantino they got me into Robert Rodriguez they yeah you. so I, you know eventually I got I was like I'll get to watch The Crow I was like I'm 13 mum can I watch The Crow and they're like yeah alright put it on literally finished it Rewound it, watched it again. I watched yeah. it about five times in a row because I just absolutely fell in love with it, or the whole concept of, and the feel of the of the film. No, that's like a similar thing. Like I said, my cousin, my cousin Dan, he is about four years older than me. Right. So, and he his dad died when he was when he was young. Their dad died, and he moved in with us yeah. for a bit. And I had to share a room with him, but he was right. four years older than me. So I'm eleven. He's fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So the shit he was get the stuff he would he would know about anime all this stuff came through him yeah he knew all this stuff i never fucking knew any of it he, he would go oh you gotta watch three times three eyes i was like what the fuck's that it's like an anime like and then he'd get tapes off his mates vhs tapes yeah, and we, we we used to have an independent video shop over the road right and obviously the movie ratings in the uk for those who don't know is 18 which is the which is like r-rated yeah. and then it's 15 which is like mature is that how it works gas so you have to be 15, or maybe that's what they call PG-13 in America, but you have to be 15 to get them. Yeah. So he used to go over and get all the fit movies that were rated 15 that I wasn't able to see. Yeah. And I'm not saying these were like the hard, most hardcore shit ever, but it was it was a lot of anime, a lot of martial arts movies that I couldn't go in there and get. Yeah. You know, or yeah. lots of horror films, lots of like Freddy Krueger and all that yeah. stuff he used to get. And it, it was the same, you know, like getting to watch The Crow at a young age, I don't think it was a negative, I think it was a positive, to be honest. I think well with, with with watching stuff over what is technically your age rating, I think just generally how you perceive things yourself as a person compared to what you're watching. You could you could be 13 year old watching an 18 like rated film, but it depends on how you see that, depending on how it affects you. Yeah. Because I mean, I honestly believe there are certain people that shouldn't be watching that sort of thing before they're old enough. Oh, we all not. we all know people that were just fucking yeah. morons as kids. Yeah. They're like, oh, don't show that guy. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or people that like end up being really pervy and weird when they're older, and it's because you were watching porn at fucking eight years old. That's why you're all cunt. That's what's yeah. happened to you. Yeah. yeah, we all know someone like that. Um, but I just want to I want to ask you actually because I know again as I mentioned you're wearing a crow t-shirt right now. You have tattoos mm-hmm. based on the crow. Yeah. What is it about the crow that just does that to you? Like your screen name is Draven. <laughs> like you know every you know like it has it's had a fucking huge influence on you. So I want to know why. I just fell in love with the feel. It was probably one of like, not when I say darkest, I don't even mean like it was a dark film, but it's just the visual. You know, they wanted to make that film as much like the graphic novel as they possibly could. The graphic novel was all in black and white. Yeah. And that's about as close as they could get. They literally just downtoned all the colours. You think, you look, you watch that film, most of it is, it looks like it's in black and white, but you can tell it's not. And it was just how it flowed, the story, how it's acted, the music. The music's The soundtrack awesome. is just so good. It's easily one of the best soundtracks ever made. Oh, but by, for, by for, none. For film. By none. I, I can't actually think of a soundtrack where I can listen to the whole soundtrack from start to finish and go every, every track's a banger. There's a few really good soundtracks, but the Crow one stands out 
at the top to me. Maybe the Spawn soundtrack. And that film uh, was kind of shit, but that soundtrack's it. pretty good. See, I was actually thinking Spawn because, yeah, I actually didn't mind it. It was a bit cheesy. It was, for what, it, it was it, cheesy for what it could. It could have been a lot more darker in its tone, but... Yeah, yeah, similar to The Crow in many ways. Parts of Spawn and the story of Spawn from the comic as well, yeah. with this guy dying and coming back to life and not being able to be with his wife and all that stuff. Like, uh, um, So... Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. Like uh, the yeah. movie to me just stands out as a quality piece of 90s cinema. Yeah, yeah. I, even I, 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 even when it looks dated, it's still. I can't even break it down. How like it's just everything about the film I love. Like it's yeah, my favorite. Like I said to you, it's my favorite film of all time. Like yeah. I just I could watch it. I like we said before. I must have watched it about 50 times. I reckon I can recite every pretty much every word of dialogue from that film. That's how much I've rinsed into it. Yeah, no, no, I, I watched it last night. I watched two movies last night because my missus, she never grew up watching movies. Never, mm-hmm. never something that he ever did, before, right? Yeah. And um, so we've been going through films. So last night we watched Terminator and The Crow. First Terminator. First Terminator. She that's fucking cool. loved the first Terminator. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite Terminator film. A lot of people like T2. Yeah. But I, I like the darkness of T1 and I love the fucking music, all the fucking synth like 80s sort of simp mm. shit going on in it, which was completely gone yeah. from from T2. Um, and just how fucking dingy everything looked. T2 was bright and colourful. It's LA. It's, it's, whereas whereas uh, while Terminator 1, I think, is LA as well. It is, it is in LA. It's like the underbelly of LA, like the nightclub scenes and all these yeah. bits in it. You know, the mate getting banged by a boyfriend in a fucking thing and he comes through the window and fucks him up. Like all that stuff is like brutal, brutal scenes in it. And it has horror, horror elements which aren't in any other Terminator well, scenes. Killer robot trying to kill you. Yeah. The rest of them are just action films, but the first one had, was that like action true. horror. Um, and that's, that's my favorite one of those. And out of both movies, she was like, how old are these? And I was like, well, this is from the 80s and this is from the fucking 90s. Yeah. If it, if it, and I she think was about, like, there's about 10 years apart between the two. I think Terminator was 84. 84, yeah. And and she went, they don't make movies like this anymore, do they? No, because there's too much of a high budget and yeah. there's too much call for CGI. The, most of those, you look at the Terminator stuff, unless it was literally, actually, I don't even think, I don't even think the, the, the skeleton was really CGI that It was much. animatronics back yeah. then. Back then it was, because yeah. it had to be, because they, they couldn't do the CGI. Um yeah, and in the crow there's a little bit, but even that you can't really. A lot of it's like superimposed stuff rather than CGI. Like the opening scene when they're going over the the city line and everything, like the color and and, and the like fires, the, the, fire, the yeah. fire you can see is just fake as shit. But then, I but see, I like it. Around burning buildings like that. But see, I like it. I like the way it looks. Dystopian when, look. Yeah, it's got like a. It's got the weird thing about the crow, especially, and it reminds me a lot of Batman in a way. Mm, yes. That the city is both modern and also retro at the same time yeah. and i know obviously it's set it's set in the 90s or in a sort of version of the 90s perhaps yeah. but i like that feeling where you don't know what time period it's in it's one of the huge things i liked about the bat about gotham yeah in in batman is you don't really know what gotham is gotham still has these like 1920s buildings gothic buildings like yeah. full-on old school prohibition gangsters running around but also people from mental asylums like and like people using weird gadgets, it's like uh, yeah. it's something I really like about Gotham City as as like a a fake city that's been built by artists and built by yeah. creation. And and the Crow is Detroit, I think. Yes, Detroit. Yeah, so the, the Detroit and the Crow also has that sort of feel to it, like it out has its time. own thing out of time. And I think when it comes to like as we will get talk about like how we would do a remake, what we would want to see from a remake, if it should be remake, 
which I'm kind of in the category that it shouldn't, but they're going to fucking do it. So if they're going to do it, and if the people that listen to this, if, if they can hear it, at least we've, we've put fucking word out there that if you are going to do it, yeah. just fucking listen to people that like the movie before rushing in well, and yeah, shitting the, all over it. The, now you've got so much source material. You've not only got the original source material with James Bond, you've got all of the novels that people have brought out yep. inspired by using the same sort of formula that you could easily You take even have professional wrestling to take from. With oh, Sting. Sting. Well, of course, yeah, with, with Sting's... Uh, yeah, Sting's and, you know, and his, his war journey. against the NWO is the same as yep. going after um, the gang in, in the crow. Saving his company from the uh, the filth that's inhabiting it. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he, one by one, he picks them up. It's the same yeah. thing, but there's like there's there's elements of this of this story that have leaked into other areas like pro wrestling. And someone asked when I announced we were doing this, will we mention Sting? you got to. So you've got to, yeah. He's still doing it today. He's still doing it right he's now. Literally that, it, you know, he started off with his surfer gimmick in the, what, 87? He came up with the Ultimate Warrior, didn't he? He, was, he, he did, yeah, the, the Warrior, Blade Runners. Is that what they were called? <laughs> That's what they were called. He likes movies, I think. The yeah, Blade Runners, the then, then then, The Crow, and then The Joker. Yeah, yeah, um, I, see, oh, yeah I was watching some of his stuff from TNA. That was bizarre. I don't know why he did it. A really weird thing. They were, pay- he must... they, were pay- they were paying him. They were paying him. But I mean, why he didn't say, oh, are you sure? That's... I think he saw it as a challenge, right? To evolve the character and do the Madonna thing of always changing. But the Crow thing, the Crow gimmick, for those who don't know, for those who aren't wrestling fans, um, Sting is a pro wrestler, as you mentioned. He was like a surfer dude. Yeah. Um, and the company WCW was like invaded, essentially. That's the storyline, by an outside force that were trying to change it and take like vultures pick at it and ruin it yeah. and sting returned looking like the crow because yeah, he got a massive beat down didn't he he got like literally the shit kicked out of him by someone in the nwo i'm, yeah. not, sure if, I'm not sure if it's when randy savage turned on him or someone might like that. have been something like that and then yeah. They, yeah he disappeared for a little while then they literally just like week upon week he was just up there in the rafters with the new makeup on and watching black, him and the black you... coat on and just watching with and, and a literal that. crow with him yeah <laughs> like, he'd vulture at one point yeah and uh, and that's the story the story of Sting with that and we're going to do an episode on Sting um, which we haven't which is a wrestling episode we, yeah. haven't, we, haven't, we haven't got to that yet but we're going to do an episode on Sting so if you are listening to this and you wanted us to mention Sting we have yeah. but also literally just two weeks ago we were like we're going to do an episode on Sting so you're well, going to get a full Sting episode given the recent activity like with him now signed AEW and stuff like that yeah. it, it, it's stupid not to capitalise on the fact that he is now People watching AEW might not know who Sting is or remember Sting because you know he was prominent, massive in the in the nineties. In the nineties, and, and not then, so much. In- well, he went to TNA and then he was, you know, he was like they, even WWE officials that like, they classed him as the best wrestler that never signed to him up until two thousand fifteen. Yeah, or 14. and then that went south. Well, that went south very <laughs> yeah. quickly because you know they jobbed him out the fucking Triple H. Yeah, and then to Seth, but then he yeah. got injured in that match anyway. Steph's um, buckle bum, wasn't it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't even mind him losing to Triple H if, like, there was some way that he got his own back, or there was some way he moved on to bigger things afterwards. It was just done. It was just done. Um, And and the weird thing about that, I will mention that with him, that he wanted to lose because he thought that was going to be his last match. He knew that the Undertaker match that he always wanted was basically off the cards at that point. And he was like, "It would have been more on the cards now than it is then. Then than it is now." Oh, they they should have pulled the trigger on that. The Undertaker thing with Sting, they should have just done it. Yeah, cinematic match if they had to. Them, them, them at, them at uh, 
them at Mania would have been a lot better than him and Triple H at Mania. That's well, it was sure. the match everyone wanted. Mm, it's the match years. everyone wanted for years. It's the match both of them wanted. They're, they're both going to retire, never having the one match they both wanted. Yeah. A really weird scenario. But we'll jump off yeah, Sting sorry, yeah, the wrestling. Because we could both talk about wrestling for fucking hours. <laughs> and and we will, because we're going to do an episode on Sting. Yeah. Uh, where we're going to have Tim with us for that one as well. And... Looking at looking at the crow, like and obviously, as we said, like it influenced a pro wrestling character, a pro wrestling character that still does that character now. Mm-hmm. That's how influential this movie is. You can't go Halloween in general in the general public without at least one or two people coming out with that makeup on. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> with the beard and everything. No, no, it was no, when, no, no, it's when I was. It's when I was when I was younger. I I did I did my attempt at it. I'll probably do a better one now if I, if I yeah. was willing to part with the beard. But if you did one now, you'd have to do like the Tamatonga version. Yes. We, I know it's yeah, the I'm Star Wars thing, but you'd yeah. have to you'd have to do a crow version of that. It would be a bad one, I suppose. No, it would be alright. But yeah, the movies, the legacy of this film is, I think, one of the things of the huge takeaway, especially of this episode for me, is is the the legacy of this movie is that even though now. A lot of people haven't seen it. People know what it is. Hmm. People know the look. They know the face oh, yeah. paint. They know parts of it. They know that it's cool. You don't. You just have to show them it, and people go, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah. You, they don't even have to see the movie to understand that the crow is cool as fuck. But you should really see it. You but you should really, really fucking watch it. Oh fuck it, you should. You should really watch it. So now we move to the bit where we do talk about the death. I think we need to really. I know we mentioned it briefly, but I think we have to talk about like. What what really went on there? Because it was it was it's dark. Well, dying on set like that. The film itself was generally cursed anyway. Like day one of production, a crane uh, a crane operator hit up a cable line and literally nearly died. Like he literally had internal and external burns. He was that heavily shocked. Yeah. He just did, he survived. So you think day one, someone nearly dies on set. Also, Sam, was it one of their supply trucks caught on fire? That was just day one. Yeah. There was loads of issues. I mean, while filming, you're right. There was issues. I think a stuntman died actually. Someone did. I think someone else did die yeah. during it as well. There was. A, I watched a documentary on it, and it was just like, fuck me, this was a shambles of a of a production, which happens. You know, the Omen oh, yeah. is another one where people died on yeah. set during that, and um, I think as well, uh, The Exorcist. I think people died during the making of that movie as people well. Have died since and and Poltergeist. Yeah. Poltergeist has got a big one for it, yeah. Well, they did use actual human bones in the in that swimming pool scene when they when the bodies come up yeah, from the ground. Fucking stupid bones. thing to do. But and like whether you believe in the supernatural or not, it is strange that movies like with the Crow, which is a supernatural movie, when it's about a revenant, it's about yeah. you know a spirit coming back for revenge because yeah. it never got closure. And with Poltergeist, with the Omen, with the Exorcist, like they are all they're all in that vein. And yet, these are movies that always that they've all had cursed productions with people yeah. dying on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we mentioned, basically, a a gun and a dud in, and there was some yeah. shrapnel and bits lodged in it. Yeah, they'd fired it out earlier in the scene because it was the same gun used in every single scene that Fun Boy was in. Yeah, and it'd been used earlier that day with um with like duds dud bullets in, and then oh, is it they call them? Do they call them duds? It's something or blanks like, or yeah, it's like there's there's a difference between duds and blanks, but one of the one anyway, whichever one it was, yeah, they fired it off earlier in the day, and a bit of shrapnel got lodged in the in the barrel, and then they changed it through for the uh, for the blanks, so that basically the scene is if you've seen the film, 
it's not actually in the film, but it's the flashback scenes where uh, Eric comes in after the gang are like um, attacking Shelley, and uh, as he walks in, like T uh, Tintin throws a knife, and then Fun Boy shoots him from across the room, and that yeah. literally that that blank. The impact from the uh, from the blank literally dislodged the shrapnel, and it fucking went straight across and lodged in his uh, lodged in his stomach. Yeah, and he bled out. Well, they didn't. Well, they make... couldn't get anyone there or something. I remember they. Well, they were filming the film. That 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 part of the film was being filmed during what was classed as the worst storm of the century, like snowstorm yeah. of the century. So, it, shit wasn't as probably. You know, there was no. Well, now they would have they would have had stuff on site. Yeah, full medical on site. The guy that was supposed to inspect the gun and make it make sure it was fine for uh, for use had left before they'd shot that scene. So yeah. if he waited around five minutes, for example, blaming him obviously, but you know if he'd been there for an extra five minutes and checked the gun before it's used, which you think is general protocol before yeah. you fire off anything, you should check it's safe. They would have found it lodged in. They would have. Well, they would have found it. But then the other thing as well is, if there wasn't this storm going on, an ambulance would have got there. They would have been able to get him. Yeah. It, it it wasn't he bled out. I mean he was well, he no, didn't he die. Went, no no he no he um he fell to the floor like he as, as they thought he was acting still until they saw the blood coming up from underneath him. Yeah because I mean I, I can't remember if I saw, I think I saw it somewhere at first they thought it was just the blood pack right at first as well when they saw some oh, okay. blood when they saw blood on his like in his hand they well he's got a blood pack on yeah which is set to trigger to make fake blood but it's yeah. only when it's on the floor that they went no, there ain't that much in yeah. a blood pack like well, something's not right here. But he died, he didn't die immediately, he died, I think, like a day or so later. Yeah. From He went to surgery, and they, had, they pumped in 60 pints of blood Fuck through me. the course of the operation, to, and they couldn't save him. No. But they, they couldn't get there to him for, like, fucking like half hour, 40 minutes of it happening. Yeah. And fucking just a... Just a fucking calamity, really. Yeah, everything that could have gone wrong... Did. Did. Like, every single thing you can think of. Like, even getting him to the hospital would have taken him another hour because the snowstorm and shit. Like, yeah. every, everything went wrong. Um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is, one, is the elephant in the room whenever you talk about this movie. Is his death. Okay, you yeah, you, you yeah, can't talk about the movie without bringing it up. Like, you, have to, you have to say it. But also, there are people who think that there was a real bullet in the gun. There was. This, is, this has been, unfortunately, with the internet, this is a rumor that's been around since the internet first existed. Same as everything. Right? That there was no, there was no bullet in the gun. He he did not get shot by a real bullet. It was shrapnel. Mm -hmm. It was um, using a blank which has gunpowder in it, forcing the shrapnel out. Because what a blank does is it just makes like a, a an explosion at the end of the gun, just a spark. You know, yeah. like, so it looks like it's fired. Right? It's a little bit of gunpowder just to kind of create the effect that something's gone off. But if there's something in the barrel, it's gonna it's gonna get gonna forced go. out. That's yeah. that's just that's how guns work. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a dark thing that happened, and um, I want I want to make sure, like uh, as we as we talk about this film, that the legacy of the movie to me isn't his death; it's actually the quality of the film. Oh yeah. And again, as we mentioned, that gets it gets mixed up. Like it's hard to you cannot separate the two now. You can't. Unfortunately, you can't talk about the film without talking about his death. Yeah. Because it comes hand in hand with the legacy of that film. But the film is just such a cool like cool direction like the way things look the gothic yeah, that's, but also industrial elements in there it was, yeah it was bondage stuff mixed in like it is really fucking cool film oh yeah and lots of punk elements as well with the characters like they're almost are like a pastiche of alternative culture in one mm -hmm. and it's such a especially in the 90s as well where that stuff was still very underground now there's no real 
alternative culture. Well, Manson anymore. wasn't very. Manson probably would have just come out at that point. He wasn't very big. He wasn't big at that. But he hadn't had a breakout moment. At that yeah, point. he was still yeah. doing stuff with Trent Reznor at this at this moment, having yeah. stuff produced and oh, really? things by Trent Reznor. Yeah, you know, but they used the more gothic rock side of things. So you know, there was a lot of influences from like the Cure, Joy Division, Violent Femmes. Yeah, that was all the big influences on, on the feel. On the, yeah, of and the then film. obviously grunge was huge at the time. There's a huge grunge element, gritty. Uh, reverb yeah, feel it, to all, like if you were to make a movie if there was a way of having reverb on uh, footage yeah. that's the crow right yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like and then there's like the industrial the industrial metal side of it yeah which obviously um, Top Dollar's nightclub is is pretty much an industrial nightclub yeah and as I said there's punk elements there's so like yeah. they mixed everything together and when it comes to alternative culture back then this was like still an underground thing and this is being put in a Hollywood movie yeah. like just we're going to show you the underground and maybe Nirvana had a bit to do with that because 94 like, it was a bit, a bit you know they were in the headlines obviously yeah um, and they had kind of brought that culture very much into the spotlight at the same time underground culture yeah but even then it's not like it is today today you will walk around and see people that are covered in toes mm-hmm. piercings we're black, we're gothic stuff. Like, you see them around. Yeah. Back then, it was at night you would see these people. Or it'd be very often, it wouldn't be often that you'd see them. It was, it was a rarity. Or for me in London, you'd, in, in the little outskirts of London, you wouldn't see it. But you go into London, and you're like, what the fuck? This is a different place, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, now there's no real true alternative because alternative is almost mainstream. And even the pop side of it is almost similar to alternative in how they look now too like you know singer they're all tattooed they're all gothy looking well, you know like the rappers look like fucking a four-year-old barbie doll so. they do yeah they look like uh, angelica's doll from uh, yeah. nickelodeon the rugrats they're fucking yeah. <laughs> they <look> like that <laughs> cynthia that's what it's because cynthia you're right yeah. yeah they look like cynthia and uh but again like if you were to look at someone who looked like that back then or if you were to take someone who looked like that now and brought them back to the 90s, people would be like, that's some degenerate fucking... Yeah. Like, you wouldn't think it's that's a guy back. who's getting number one hits, like Post Malone. Like, you're going to be right. thinking... that You would even look at him back then and go, that's like some scummer, some fucking rock that band guy, degenerate... That, guy, that guy's on them drugs. Yeah, like, you wouldn't think that he's he's this fucking Grammy award-winning recording yeah. artist. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it, it's nice to see... For me, I fucking love looking back at 90s stuff and seeing what that real subculture looked like. Mm. Like, so there's an authenticness to it that is lost today because it's, today we know it's cool. Yeah. So once you know something's cool, Everybody it loses, it, it loses its edge. But back then, people didn't know it was cool and they did it anyway. Yeah. They, they were, they were, um, they actually lived the person. They lived it. Yeah, they lived it. So I think that might even be the, the legacy of the movie is the, the cool factor of it. Might be his lasting legacy of just you. If anyone watches that movie and doesn't think it's cool, I, I you're probably like the biggest geek, like Poindexter nerd who jerks off to maths. I think I think that's what you are. Right? <laughs> oh, I love that algebra. Yeah, oh, that Pythagorean theory's giving me a fucking Pythagoras. I'm like fucking. <laughs> so now we got to have the dirty talk, Scott, and talk about possible remake. Of the crow. Well, it's not dirty talk because they made they made three. Yeah. Well, not remakes. They made three sequels. Yeah, well, and they're all starring different 
version or different crows or different uh, revenants, right? Yeah, yeah. The, it's the general... Draven, Draven story ends. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's it. Well, because like that's this is before um, Brandon Lee was signed up for another two. How they were going to continue on that, I don't know. But he was signed up for another two, and then obviously they made double the budget, which at that time was it's twenty twenty six point seven million. I saw on Wiki that was its budget, and it made fifty. Yeah. And it's probably made a hell of a lot more since with all the with all the DVD and video oh, sales merch. over those years and merch. The merch, the merch yeah. of this movie was huge. Yeah. So you know it was obviously as we all know today, if a film makes a good bit of profit, they're going to go. Well, we'll make another one then, won't we? Yes. And the problem with signing IPs now, they don't want to just make one. Anything they buy, if if Disney suddenly bought the Crow. And they were going to do a Marvel style oh, thing of it. Uh, they are going to make fucking hundreds of them. Yeah, like they're going to be cartoons. There's going to be fucking. There's going to be everything they possibly can milk out of it. And if it's Universal, if it's Sony, everyone. Unfortunately, we're in an era now where everyone wants their own little cinematic universe, and comic IPs are rife for it because yeah. of the world building in them and the outside characters that they can go. Oh, we could do this, and we could do that. So we have to take into account. Um, that if there was a Crow remake, we're going to have to think about the Crow 2 and 3 and the spin-off TV show. And we're going oh, to have to think God. about all that stuff. So if you are going to remake the movie, you have to get it so fucking right that that stuff doesn't come across as an offense to the original movie. But the thing is, the only way you could do a general sequel to it is you'd have to do, what again, what they've done with the other films. Someone you, else. Someone else would have to take up the mantle because you couldn't have the guy who comes back from the dead to avenge the fact that him and his girlfriend were killed by a gang. He kills the gang, kills their leader in the first film, and then goes back to his grave just for him to resurrect for a second one. For what? He's got nothing to come so back for. So you need a mythos behind what the re- what the crow represents. Well, the big. Well, I would say big thing. Rather than it be just his power, it would have to be almost like Odin's crow. Something that when something this tragic happens, the the, the vengeful spirit goes, you, well, I'm going to fucking get your vengeance. And then it moves on to the next vengeful spirit. And then the ne- so it's constantly throughout history. It's done this multiple times. By the time we see Draven's story, this isn't the first time this this being has been around or this power has been used by someone. So it, well, it was never brought into the film. It was rec- They filmed a bit. But it was never. It was deleted, and that's the Skull Cowboy. Yes, he's big in the. He's big, He's very prominent in the graphic novel. He's pretty much Eric's guide onto what he needs to do. Yeah. But and also in the graphic novel, the Crow talks. Yes. He's pretty much like another voice over his shoulder, telling him what he needs to do. Yeah. Which is why there's a scene in the movie that they left in that makes no sense, and it's uh, Micah, Mika trying to catch it. Yes. She goes to grab it. She's like obsessed with it, and there's the bits where you see her doing like spells for like a couple. Like that's all linked to this. I mean, they never because obviously you know 140 minutes. They didn't have, yeah, uh, they didn't have time or an hour for. I'm minutes, pretty so sure they probably would. They're pretty sure they probably would have covered that in the next in the next yeah in the next film they would have done because the Skull Cowboy is he's brought he's um that's what annoyed me actually. The t- you've seen Stairway to Heaven the TV series. I've seen parts of it for sure. I so, definitely have because I watched the Raven as well with the chick. Oh no, is that Highlander, the Raven? Yeah, the Raven's Highlander. Sorry, I'm getting them mixed up. These are sci-fi shows that used to be on the sci-fi oh, okay. channel. I so did, the, the Crow, the crow oh, TV yeah, show used to be on there as well. 
Yeah, they, they did. Highlander they made a couple series. of Highlander series Jesus. as well. And they used to be back-to-back. Like, I'd watch, like, an episode of The Crow, an episode yeah. of Highlander, and then an episode of The Raven, right. which was a female Highlander spin-off. Oh, and, like, they would have them back-to-back, and then they'd have, like, Buffy or something ah, on yeah. afterwards, you know, or so fucking Angel. It was, it was Angel. literally just supernatural, the supernatural night. Yeah, and they'd just have these on on, like, a Friday yeah. from, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon to, like, fucking 10 o'clock at night, they'd have these on. The and close- I'd switch over to Raw. The clo- <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> The closing, the closing scene of the TV series, like the last episode, they had 22 episodes, and it was, it had high viewership, it had high critic responses, there was no reason not to make a second season, they left it on the cliffhanger where he confronts the Skull Cowboy, and it's the same in, in the graphic novel, you know, he's there, he is like the, the advisor, and that was kind of, that, that would how you'd have to play, you'd actually have to bring the Skull Cowboy See, there's a good it. way of, that is a good way of doing it, so, I've made fucking shitloads of notes for this. <laughs> shitload so i'm going to go through the first one which is which is a uh, cinematic aesthetics okay because the movie has a feel to it modern movies do they they couldn't even make it look like that anymore <sighs> they they couldn't even you they've the, the equipment wouldn't even run with modern day processing unless they got all the old equipment out and used it yeah but to me i'd like that 90s feel to this film the grit the grit, the 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 integrity and feel of the original movie, the grunginess of it, like mm-hmm. that, that has to be a huge. Like when you're filming this movie, that has to be a huge part of it, you know. Like obviously with the comic, it was written in the eighties, but the 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 movie very much picked up as we mentioned that nineties with the Kurt Cobain, the MTV, the fucking Viper Room. You know, the infamous fucking L.A. Viper room where they all went and took fucking drugs yeah. and fucking Johnny Depp and all these people, right? Mm-hmm. That look, the, the the Crow movie is that condensed into a film. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're fucking keeping that integrity from a cinematic aspect. Like, that is, that's how you'd have to do it. Because unfortunately, modern lifestyle is like, it's too gratuitous now. And too self-serving, and too glossy, yeah, and that's too it. fake. That you yeah. can't, that a movie like this, you can't, you just cannot... Do it justice if you pump it full of modern references. Yeah, you got to keep it as off the grid as you possibly can. No mobile, like I said, no mobile phones, no indication to any but, sort of real technology at yeah, all. Yeah, like 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 the original is that out of time. Like we yeah. mentioned, Gotham is out of time. The Crow is out of time. The, the, a remake would need to be out of time. You know, yeah. like there was one thing I wrote down here that I've got um, all the vengeance scenes when he gets his enacts his vengeance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have him like. Gritty as fuck, bloody as fuck, real dark, nasty shit, Punisher-esque moments with it. Mm-hmm. Um, dark colours, black, white, red, mostly. Or maybe even s- set those scenes in black and white where the, only the blood is the colour, Sin City style, for the vengeance scenes, right? Whereas all the flashback stuff where he's thinking about her. thinking it's about in his, red. The, the black flashback scenes are always in always red. Always in red, right? But to me, it would be like uh, almost Technicolor. The... Mm. You know when a, a, happy, f- a film time. bleeds. You know when a film bleeds, like dreamlike, yeah, a happy, like a happier time, super unrealistic, almost too perfect. Yeah. When you look at those scenes, yeah, almost like he's in heaven, almost like that's like when he's thinking back to the happier moments. It's it's fucking it's too good. Yeah, because you want it. Because one thing the movie does do a little bit, but it doesn't do enough of is drum how fucking perfect that like they really fucking they were so into each other like their life was them mm-hmm. that's all they they just wanted to be together they everything they both did in their day-to-day life was the betterment of their relationship yeah. like there wasn't chaos there wasn't strife like they fucking they were like truly belonged to each other like 
heart and soul. True love. Yeah, like the true love that that people wish for. Mm. They that's what they had. That's how it's so portrayed, yeah. if you were going to remake it, I'd I'd play heavy on that. Yeah. And whoever you cast as her would have to be so beautiful that people would feel heartache when she dies. Mm-hmm. That people watching it are like like fucking angry yeah. over it because you can do that with a movie. You can you can have a character come across as so pure and loving that when they die, you're like you piece of shit. If the, the thing was like with the original on that, it's. You know, it's very not glossed over, but it's not her death is you know you know she dies. That's like this year's yeah. straight away you know that she's died. The gravestones next to his and stuff they were buried they were buried next to each other, but it's never really. She's kind of glanced over, just kind of was like a more of like a fuel to a fuel to his fire than yeah. an actual oh bunch of assholes fucking killed her. It's, yeah, it's literally where's the where's the comic really fucking drives it home. Oh, <laughs> really Eric, Eric in the comic is so morbidly depressed. Like yeah. his character tries to kill himself several times. He's and he just can't die. Completely broken. Yeah. By it. Like, and any time he thinks of her, it's like dying again. And her death's a lot more brutal in the comics yes. as well. Yes, oh, a lot more brutal. And I'd go real brutal. I'd go real brutal with it. I'd be. This is being R-rated. This is an eighteen. Yeah. It's gonna be fucking gratuitous and horrible, and people may even walk out. But I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck because it has to so you be. Want Rob Zombie to direct it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'd be a fucking great choice. Well, right? he put forward a script in '98. He did. The Crow 2037, he put forward. So he wanted to do a new story and uh, new. Yeah, thing. yeah. he, um, from what I read, uh, watched last night, he wanted to do a different sort of twist where um, it's a mother and her son, but it's the son that comes back to get revenge. So they want not. They didn't specify how old the boy was, but I would assume about thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. And that he, it's actually him that comes back to get revenge for them killing him and his mother. Yeah. Would work. And it, and it would have been set obviously in a bit more of a future. But like that's how I would. So any sequel that you could spin off from a remake of The Crow mm. has to be a new character to me. Oh God, yeah. You can't. It, it Draven's story has to end. Yeah. You can't prolong it. Like you can't go. Oh, your girlfriend died. You got revenge for it, but we want you to keep fighting. He's 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 a he's a soul needs to rest. That's the point of his character, is that he can't his soul cannot rest. Or worse, yeah. Like you think you just killed the big bad. Well, that wasn't the big. They were working. Bad. They were working for Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they were working for that guy, and it's like, oh right, now he's got other cronies. Now he has to go and kill all them. Well, they literally... do something like before he's about to die, the fucking military come in, they fucking tase him, they go, get him, get him. He's got powers. We can do something with this. Oh, and you're like, no, oh, no. stop, oh, no. stop. Like, and even when it comes to end scenes, right? And I don't. Obviously, we are going to talk about. It. You could have it where it ends the way it ends at the graveyard. Perfect ending. Yep. way to end it and then a crow flies off if you wanted to do an end credit scene where another hand comes out the grave a different grave somewhere around the world with a crow on the fucking thing and this person pulls himself male or female just <gasps> pulls himself out you don't even need to see their death like and even if you never make another one it goes to show you that this this crow is a it, it's not a one-off it looks for people that have been wronged it, yeah. looks, it, it, it gives it gives benefit to people who are who need rest, who need vengeance. It's like the carry ending. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, it's always going to be searching for someone because there's always wrongs in the world. There's yeah. always people that die in a way where they never got to rest. They never, the fucking police did fuck all. They get, the murderers got away with it. It happens, it happens in real life. Yes. So that was, a, that was like, um, just to throw that in there. And another thing with the cinematics, 
practical effects, please. Oh, yeah, as minimal CGI <laughs> just as absolutely none of the possible. C- no CGI fuck fest. While we're, while we're talking um, the aesthetics of the movie as a whole, we have to... We've already said how brilliant the soundtrack is. The music in any remake of The Crow is fucking crucial. Mm-hmm. It ha- Even if you don't use the same soundtrack, it has to feel like the same soundtrack. Like, you... There were some songs in it, to me, you have to fucking keep, like Burn. Uh, burn. You have to keep it, yeah. right? You have to keep Burn, right? But if you were going to add songs to it or use other songs, then look at the 90s. Look at Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Sonic Youth, The Breeders, the shock metal of Marilyn Manson, the Nine Inch Nails stuff, like the industrial stuff. Like If you're going to add songs to it, mm-hmm. add songs that fit. What Add songs that could have ended up in the original. Yeah, You know, something that could have been in the original. Well, I don't know because there's or enough, I would just use the fucking. There's enough. Thing. There's enough. You know, there's enough music going around at the minute that you could easily come up with a soundtrack that is just as good. Yes, but using up to date bands. Well, you could use up to date stuff that sound like that because there are a lot of bands like Free Teeth, for example, or an industrial band. Yeah. are fucking fantastic. I mean, I'd use maybe White Lies. Yeah, White Lies are another one, and and then obviously like. As I said, with the dream scenes of their flashbacks, you could use stuff like the Cocktoo Twins, like mm. uh, Shoegazy stuff, yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain, bands like that. Yeah, Again, yeah. they've got a grungier feel to them, but it's like a dreamlike loveness to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that you could, not loveness, that's a sex toy, um, <laughs> lovingness. But yeah, like modern stuff, like lo fi music, you could fit into this aesthetic, right? You know? Yeah, or some just really nice ambient folk. Yeah, folk would definitely fit, especially if you the do... Dream, the dream sequences, it would work. And especially if you are going to talk about the mythos of what the crow is as well. Mm. Being able to throw folk into that yeah. mythos would work too. Yeah, it wouldn't literally strictly be like an industrial gothic sort of feel to the soundtrack, but everything would complement each other. And it feels like it's meant to be in that film. It's not some random rap song in the middle of uh, a bar or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, there's just... There's, not that you couldn't put rap in it. I'm sure you could find some rap that would work. Well, you had Ray J, and that was like that was about as far as you were yeah, really gonna go. But you'd like maybe fucking Tintin listens to it or something. I don't know. Like, ah, what? yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, in his car, like smoking out or something. Yeah. He's like, what? But it has to make sense. You can't just go. But this particular rapper be, is hot right now, wait, so we've it, signed him. It would have to be. To me, if you're gonna do like a Tintin sort of character into it, you'd have to do old school hip hop. That's what he so. sits to me is old yeah. school hip hop. It wouldn't do. You wouldn't do. You wouldn't fucking have some of the crap that's floating around. It also now. reminds me of the dude from the Prodigy. The fucking yeah. So even Prodigy's music. Yeah. Brief. But, listening yeah. to Brief. Oh. That would make sense, right? Yeah. Like to him, like the music. You can have listened to Seven Dust because he kind of fits that. Sort he of does. Thing, yeah, you know? he does. Like and or like even if he wanted to stick metal wise, he's the sort of guy that I could see listening to Sepultura. Oh, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the, just from the character. Um, and he's a good actor as well. He was in Prison Break. Um, was he? He played a character called Sammy oh, in I've Prison Break him, Season 3. In, I've seen him in things in the past, but... He, he, he still looks good. He's another one who still looks Mason. good now. Yeah, he still looks Jack now. He could even reprise the role, just be an older version of it, to be honest. He's in The Shield as well. Because he could. he's only probably in his 50s, the guy. There's no age for him. No age for him. He's ageless. He's age, well, he looks ageless. He hasn't, got, he, he hasn't got a massive bio, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Public Enemy. The Johnny Depp one, but it's... Yeah, it's all bit parts again. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing with this film, man. No one's really done... 
anything. No, it's almost like a stain. Like, you know the woman who played Shelley? It's like the only big movie she ever did. Um, she's like a singer or something. She was never even an actress. She was like, was she's maybe got about five credits to her name. I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Shelley. She's the woman who plays. Um, oh, the, she, sorry. Yeah, Shelley, Shelley Webster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shelley Webster. The woman who plays Shelley is like got fuck all credits to her name. She's like an unknown. Yeah. At the time, she was like an unknown, and even since, she's not done much. She did. She's got a couple of a couple of random credits every couple of years, and that's about it. Yeah, she's got bugger all. And then her some, last acting role was 2016, and it wasn't. Even, don't even what the hell that is. Yeah, just some random little bit somewhere. Um, I don't think she actively seeks it out, acting roles, by the looks of it. Well, the girl that played Sarah, she literally never acted again. She was there on, she was there on set when he died, or when he got shot. Just so traumatised. Yeah, tra- traumatised yeah. though. Never, never did an, anything again. So we do need to talk about casting. Oh, I see, I <laughs> because, because we're talking about the old cast, right, yeah. after talking about the aesthetics. Now, most recently, until this year, there was something called Crow Project. That was the the name. No, it wasn't going to be the movie name. Yeah, untitled Crow that, Project, yeah, right? Project, which had Jason Momoa tied to it. I, um, as much as I love Jason Momoa, I think he's way too jacked to play Eric Draven. So when he was announced for it, I wondered if he was slimming down for the role because mm. he started doing a lot of rock climbing. Uh, if you oh. at the time he was announced, he was all over his in, Instagram, oh, was that? and he'd leaned, he'd leaned down. Oh, he, okay. He'd got, he'd got slimmer. He was doing all this climbing. He's he done looking, a Christian Bale. Yeah, and and he was still a big fucking dude, yeah. but you know, he in his is. shoulders and his arms, but his waist got really small. Right. And I was like, he's looking a little gangly, which is kind of the crow needs to look a little gangly. The he crow needs to, look, needs to look. He needs to look toned, not jacked. Yeah. And yeah. I was looking at him at the time they announced him, and he was he. I think he'd finished Game of Thrones at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he, he wasn't. He was meant to. He was meant to film the Crow between the Justice League and Aquaman film. Yeah. That's when he was originally slotted to do it. Because if you look at if you look at him in Aquaman and then compare him to Conan in Game of Thrones, he's a lot smaller in Aquaman. Carl Drogo. Uh, yeah, Carl Drogo. Sorry, yeah. Um, but he was Conan in. He did a Conan movie as well. Did he? Yeah, he did a Conan, Conan re- remake. Oh God. Yeah, he, he, that that's what got him in Game of Thrones. The Conan. Oh, is it? He here's the thing, fantastic. He plays a fantastic Conan in a bad film. Right. The whole way through it, you can't take your eyes off him. You're like, he's fucking really good at this. Like he's good as Conan. Just full at that, shit. <laughs> at that point, he'd only done like a Stargate Atlantis and some Baywatch shit. Like he hadn't done yeah. much, right? He'd, yeah. He'd not done a lot, and he got this Conan, and he looked he looked like Arnie size. Yeah, when yeah. Arnie was in Conan, he looked fucking huge. Mm. As he did as Carl Drogo, he looked fucking huge, right? So he played those two roles, and then he slimmed down. If you compare them to Aquaman, he's more ripped in Aquaman, but he's slimmer. Mm. So, and it was in that sort of in-between period where he was doing a lot of indie movies that he was making himself. Right. And he was doing all his rock climbing videos. Mm-hmm. Like, all over his Instagram was him climbing with these skinny little lean climber dudes. And he must just be doing it because he likes it. Like with yeah. his surfing, he's always fucking surfing. Yeah, yeah. So... I was like, if he could, if he could tone down, he would have been a good fit. And the main reason he would have been a good fit to me as well, he's not been in anything too iconic yet. He's not got a character you go, that's Jason Momoa. Carl Drogo, maybe for some people, but those I, those that have seen it, but then he was only in one season, so yeah. And you know, Aquaman, while big, people don't go, people don't refer to him as Aquaman. They no. know who he is, so he hasn't had. He's, he hasn't not, been been, tight, he hasn't been, he's not been Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he's not 
he's not had that. Which some actors do, that like Harry Potter, the kid. That, oh, he's never going. He's away, always going to be Harry Potter, right? Yeah. So that was a good thing about Jason Moore. But the other thing um, is, he gets it. You one hundred percent know he gets it. He loves it. He literally loved. He's, he said how much he loved the Crow, the film. How much he loved the novel. He's met. James O'Barr, he's literally picked his brains about it. Yeah. You know, he's he loves the 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 legacy, the the lore of the. Uh, so so when they when they announced Momoa, I was like, oh, they could have done worse. Oh, they could have done so much worse. I was like, it actually made me go, oh, they might not fuck this up. Like when they announced him, well, I know you. The size is is that's his thing, right? That's yeah. the big thing. Is how fucking how jacked is he going to be in the movie? Yeah, he does it. Uh, you know, I think if he if he's too fucking too big it just won't make sense to the character no because it's like well this guy could just literally kill these guys with one punch well there's no reason for draven to be jacked yeah there's no reason story-wise for him to be jacked the crow the idea of having the crow's powers gives you the enhanced strength anyway so why do you need enhanced strength when you're already strong as fuck anyway yeah there's no reason why a guitar player in a little indie band is a fucking roided up dude there's no reason for it (laughs) not saying he is roided up i don't know if yeah. he does or not, but he looks fucking, he looks like he could wrestle, right? He looks like oh, Roman yeah. Reigns, you know, he yeah, could fucking yeah. go. So there's no reason that an ordinary guy who lives in a shitty city with no money, because they're poor big. as fuck, would be that fucking big. Yeah. Um, yes, also, there's no reason why a fucking crow could bring you back to life and you can have supernatural powers. I do understand that fallacy as well. Mm. However, he could be too big. But you, you had a few in mind yourself that you thought, oh, actually. Well, a couple of the earlier picks they had before Momoa was brought to the, to the table for it was like uh, Luke Evans. Yep. He, I, when I saw like, I like it. I like Luke Evans. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Like, and he, his look, I thought I could get behind because he literally suits, he could suit that look. And I think I saw a picture of him and like someone had just done like the makeup on him and he looked like he could pull off the character. But one guy, it's probably a bit late now. He's probably a bit too old for it now. But one of my biggest picks was like, um, was Ben Foster. I like Ben Foster as well, actually. Because, like, he's... Uh, it comes back to... You ever seen Hostage? No, no. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Um, watch. No, watch that. Yeah, he's in that. I didn't realise it was him at first, actually, because the character he plays, it's uh, basically... Like, Hostage, if anyone's never seen it, is basically Bruce Willis plays a copper. To shocker. Bruce Willis plays a copper. <laughs> yeah. But he used to be a hostage negotiator. And basically, he, ta- he, he feels suspicious about this... Um, he, t- he, t- he gets a respondent's call to this uh, alarm, silent alarm that goes off in this house. And these three guys have basically broken into this millionaire's house, this rich guy's house, and are basically taking his, ho- his family and him hostage. And they look, and uh, Bruce Willis gets involved. And uh, Ben Foster plays this guy called Mars, who is a bit of a fucking, bit of a loose cannon. And there's just this scene at the, near the end of the film where the hallway's on fire and Ben Foster's walking down the hall with two Molotov cocktails and it's just how he's moving and the look he's got long black hair at the time and it's just the character he's playing is like this moody sort and of like you look at it and go he could fucking pull I mean, the crow off yeah. I was like that I was like I can, and the fact that Ben Foster is a fucking great actor yeah he's great I, he, he would have been if they'd done the crow say 10 years ago he would have been. He would have been my. He would have been my Eric or my my crow, not so much Eric Draven, but he would have been my lead. Yeah, because he doesn't need to be called Draven. You don't. You, you can. But see, I think that's a good start point still. But you could even have it be a sequel, even a reboot. 
You don't need to do that. You don't necessarily need to do that story. No. But they're going to want to do that story. Well, That's... if you're going to do it, like the Momoa one was originally supposed to be closer to the graphic novel, which is a lot different in its portrayal. The characters that, like the four gang members in the film, aren't necessarily the... They're kind of goofs in the film, but they're fucking brutal. Fuck. I mean, they're, they're brutal in the movie, but in the comic, they're fucking really horrible. Like, they're... Well, yes and no. Like, um, Top Dollar's not the big man in, in no. the... He's not the main one. T-Bird's the main one. Skank is literally just some fucking scumbag on the street. Yeah. Funboy is a drug dealer, and he gets the easiest death out of the whole fucking novel. Like, he pretty much does in the, in the film. He gets yeah. the easiest death out of all of it. You know, Sarah and and, um, and uh, Dala aren't big. Sarah's just some lost kid on the street. Yeah, you know, so I've got some... When we get to the story, I've got some thoughts on that. I don't think she's too necessary. She's not. She's a plot device. To, she's a plot device to go from what happened then to now to kind of... And it's a way to give Albright some scenes, the sergeant some scenes, right? Yeah. It's a way It's a way to facilitate that. And I've got, I've got some things on that. So I can tell you some names that people have been throwing around to play Draven. And some of them, I think, are just people that are not thinking that people age. Uh, Joe uh, Mangiano. He is the wolf uh, in True Blood, the fucking werewolf guy. Never watched True Blood. He's a jacked dude. Okay. He, he, you may have remembered him as the guy who tried arguing with MJF, not understanding that MJF is a wrestling character. Ah, and when MJF okay. is like showing a jacked picture of himself in a mirror going, guess what, guys? I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. He jumped on it going, I do. I do. <laughs> and he's roided right. fucking pictures of himself. That guy. But he's probably 50 now. Yeah. You know? And he's not... He's not as young as he was. No. And when he was in True Blood, he was in his fucking early 40s. And that was 10 years ago, mm. some shit like that. So, again, he's not... He, he, he's a good, good jacked dude. But he's similar to Momoa. He's like an older Momoa almost. Yeah. And another one that went round, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yes, I heard Tom Hiddleston. I can't that, even and get round that. Thrown around at I one can't point. Even... Yeah. If they denounced him as top dollar, I'd have been maybe he could pull that off. He's not a sinister, but maybe. But when people were saying I'd like him to play the lead. He could be a fun boy. He'd be a fun boy. And he'd be a good one. I mean, actually when it comes to top dollar, someone like um Michael Fassbender could pull the role off. While he's not the same sinister, he can play sinister. And like yeah, I think he's a fucking good show. actor. In the weird alien Prometheus movies, he's good. He's good as Magneto. But mm. in uh, Frank, which is the Frank Sidebottom, fake story of Frank Sidebottom, right. where he wears the mask. He's a fucking phenomenal actor. Yeah. Um, and he can play Sinister. And we know he can play Sinister. So we know he can play... So he wouldn't be a, a bad choice. But it's hard to pick. You, if, if you're recasting Draven, it's hard. The thing is, if you're recasting someone as Eric Draven, and then you're, recast, then you're doing the rest of the film... Do you want your villains to be the bigger names over your hero? Like you look, you look at it in terms of like how the first one was was done. There were no big. Well, maybe that's what you do. Names. Right? You need to go with up and comers to give them that. Like break like Spider Man did with Tom Holland. Yeah, he was a no. He was a no one. And while he, while he, Elliot, he, he? yeah, and while he, but on stage. Yeah. Not even the fucking no, yeah, was, movie he, version. Yeah, he yeah. was, he was uh, West End's Billy Elliot. For and a while. while he was surrounded by bigger actors. He's playing an iconic character to a point that you can be... He doesn't feel out of place. He suited Peter Parker down yeah. to the ground. 
and it is it's like but looking at younger actors looking at people that that are out there i don't know too many of them not, and not by name, none of them the stand out to me for that role that may be going for unknowns for the lot of them and maybe have some people reprise their role. Not, not for the lot of them, but you want like you want enough a big enough a name that will kind of get people's attention, but not that he's gonna be doing the main role. So if you were to do your Albrecht, you'd have that actor. Jamie Foxx or one of the you know, someone yeah, like that. Or like um, or bring fucking Hudson back. I know he's seventy four, but the dude looks like he's about fifty. So say like Michael B. Jordan as Tintin or something like that. Yeah. He'd be good he'd be good in it. You know, I'm not necessarily B. Jordan saying would be Tintin good has to be black, but you but know, why change? Why change it? Well, in, in, again, going back to the source material, Tintin uh, T Bird was black in the in the graphic novel. Yeah, so you could have T Bird being back to the, what its original source, where he was literally a black gangster. I've just I've just got to hear another one that people have got written down for uh, Draven, James McAvoy. <laughs> These are really bad choices to no, me. No, he was up. Yeah, he was. Up, he was one of the he names. So he was on there. Uh, yeah. So like, so, so was Ryan Gosling. He was up. There, he was yeah. up there at one point. McAvoy's a fantastic actor, but I think he's better as a bad guy than he is as a good guy. Yeah. You know, I suppose the crow is an anti-hero. Well, yeah. So he's like he's like your spawn, but not. But I mean, he might. He, I'd actually say if the, McAvoy was announced as top dollar, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could get behind that. Have you seen? Have you seen him in Split? Yeah, he's, he's fucking, fucking awesome. Great in that. He's fucking, he's great fucking in that. awesome in it, and like, again, he's a good actor. But like, man, some of these people—the only the only ones I've got in here that I wrote down that I'd like to see in it are Kim Coates as T Bird. Kim Coates. He's in Sons of Anarchy, the fucking weird one who has the transgender girlfriend. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, that guy. Yeah. He, he, he's a that. fucking. He plays that nutter in that. Right? Actually, I tell you, speaking of Sons of Anarchy, I can never remember the actor's name. He uh, he was in Sons. Um, he played the Irish guy with the with the Chelsea small. Yeah, he's he's a good actor as well. He's another one him. who could be in something like this. Yeah. Um, and then the Grange, which is the big black bodyguard. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd give him a bigger role. I actually think there's something to him that they don't. I wanted him to have a big one-on-one scene. When I actually look back at the crow now, a five-minute fight scene between him and the crow and him managing to somehow hold his own for a bit yeah, would have been cool as fuck. He just gets taken out by Ernie Hudson. Yeah. And I and I've, he does, yeah. So I've got him down as Wesley Snipes. That's right, and the reason that. Wesley Snipes is because I want to keep that... Ni- I want to add 90s elements to it. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was huge in the 90s. Wesley mm. Snipes is still good now. Playing that big... Dude, has he done anything since he came out of prison? I don't think he's done much. I know he wanted to have a a cage fight with Joe Rogan, uh, and that never materialised. But that was that was there, and he would have got demolished, I think, by jujitsu and choked out and made to look bad. Um, And then the only other one I've got is Dahlia, right? And this is not because I like this person, and people are going to fucking scream at me. I've got two names down for Dahlia, and again, I don't think she needs a big role, but there are some scenes in it that work. I have Courtney Love as Dahlia, as the junkie she's, mom. I think she's a bit too old now. <laughs> she is. And then the other name I've got down is Gwen Stefani because of the 90s keeping that in there. She's not an actress, but that role doesn't need to be in a movie for more than five fucking minutes. No. So I wanted to, when I was thinking about it, I was like, what callbacks to the 90s can I put in it? Like, No doubt were pretty big in the no 90s. No doubt were pretty fucking big. So was Hole. So a Hole. And I was like, that role may be too old now, but if the daughter ends up being fucking 
if they made her 15 instead of 12 or whatever yeah. and the mum's in her 50s that make that so that i can see that, that yeah that makes more sense so that's that was my um my reasoning for it because dahlia's role the heroin scene and this fucking neglectful mother thing mm. it's a good element of the movie pretty real for courtney love surely isn't oh, it that's why i chose her like when i'm when i'm watching it i'm like man did they fucking think were they thinking her when they made yeah. this bit i was like were they thinking courtney love somewhere because, you know, 94, strange year <laughs> for Courtney <laughs> Love, yeah, you know, so, yeah, I so. <laughs> it's like, fuck it, like, yeah, but I could see, but I could, yeah, I see, I wouldn't want to put too big of a name in that role, but, you know, you could go Margot Robbie, could play that. Mm. Not so much the callback to the 90s, but you could put her in that, in I that mean, she of... may, she might even be good as Micah, to be honest, the hot fucking woman on the arm of the... But she t- I think she's a bit too big a name for that Maybe. sort of thing. It's hard, it's hard, but then it depends what studio's got it. Is it Sony? Oh, my God. Or someone. I, I, I and if they've got money, they're just going to fucking throw money at it's it. It's actually, I believe it's freaking studio I've never even heard of. Um, let me have a quick... I know Sony were in the running at one point. They had it. No, Sony had it. Sony had it. Um, that's when Momoa and that was signed up for it. It was Sony that had it, had the rights to it. And then it. they fucked it off. And then, yeah, for some reason, they just binned it off about... A month or two before everything was supposed to um, supposed to kick off, but it's hard. It's hard when because they'd announced Top Dollar as a woman in that Sony version, mm. and I get I get it could work, and I get that you could do elements of that, but if you want them to have a showdown at all, and Top Dollar's going to be the vision of the villain, which they'd announced was. Male and female violence doesn't quite gel these days in movies. You kind of can't get away with it. Unless you're Tarantino and you don't give a fuck. But in a Tarantino Crow movie, it would just be weird and probably wouldn't work very well. No. You know? Um, no, I can't find it on the Wikipedia, but it, I definitely read it last night. But apparently, I was just looking, the guy who, uh, who, did the, who was set up to be the Skull Cowboy in the film, who did the makeup and everything, was Michael Berryman. Oh, right. You know, the tall guy from The Hills Have Eyes and Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, he was the, he was the guy who was... Uh, going to be the skull cowboy and i suppose he was going to reprise those roles in the next two should um should um brandon lee not have uh died but yeah so yeah this is from the 29th of january this year from bloody disgusting so they're usually pretty they're pretty good they're yeah. pretty reliable with their uh with their information so they had it do 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 uh, Corin Hardy was the the director. That okay. was that was originally signed up for when Momoa was signed up for it. Samuel Hadida's Davis Films, Highland Film Group, and Electric Shadow previously acquired the rights to finance, produce, and distribute the film, and are allegedly all still involved in bringing the cult character back to the big screen. It will be with a new writer and director. That's the last. That was at the start yeah. of this year. That was the last that was heard of it. Then obviously the world went to hell. So <clears throat> yeah, and a fucking finding a writer for it is just—they've well, had several, and they've but got. It's, it's finding a writer for it that isn't going to throw it full of woke politics. That isn't going to fucking like go. Well, we're doing it with a woman character, which I don't have a problem with. But if you want to bring a fucking franchise back from the dead, you might want to be more faithful to, or or not make, or not turn fans of the original off. You want them to come out and watch it. True. The, I mean, the, some of the books that have come out since, I think it's called Flesh and Blood. That is a female 
character. Same sort of ones like Rob Zombie was going with, where the mother and the son get killed, but the mother comes back. She yeah. gets killed by a gang, uh, some criminals who she'd arrested. She was a copper, and then she comes back and reeks and gets her revenge on them. I've read that one actually. That was good. That was it sounds good. alright, but they see. I don't mind it being a, a woman. Yeah, but you don't want to. But you don't want. You don't want to do that for your first one. If you're going to make three, oh, have, have the woman as the second one. Yeah, but yeah. Once you, you've got the fans reinvested, yeah, because doing a story like this. And doing it by modern day standards, where they're going to want to get two and a half hours out of it, as they often do with things like Avengers. They want to. Oh, yeah. At least how I look at it, they're looking at it as a comic book movie. They're going to look at it as something that st- sparks a fucking universe, which we all hate, right? We. Mm-hmm. Especially when they when that's their intention. They don't make a good film and go, fuck, we could do more. Like, it, that's how sequels used to be. If the film did well, they'd go, huh, can we do more with this? Yeah. before now it's we've got five movies lined up yeah. and a tv show that's the problem yeah yeah it's it's all it's all a money grab there's no thinking right we've made this film this done really freaking well but there's nowhere for it to go it doesn't need a sequel a sequel is not necessary so, you know there's i'm sure we, we all know there's enough films out there that got sequels that didn't freaking need them well there's there's movies that got sequels made by other people other writing teams, different production houses, yeah. straight to DVD releases like American Psycho 2. Oh my God. Like, they, like they, Mila they, Kunis they, and William Shatner. There's like no reason. There's no reason for that to ever exist. Her only connection is that she, her babysitter was killed by Patrick Bateman and then she killed him when his back was turned. That is literally yeah. how they connected to it. It's the fucking stupidest shit. It's the stupidest shit yeah. you, you could ever fucking write. And these are people that have... These are when small studios, unfortunately, sometimes they acquire the rights to something because American Psycho was never meant to be a fucking sequel. It was never... Because the book isn't. There are... The writer of American Psycho, um, Brett Ellis? Brett Easton Ellis, yeah. Yeah, he... If you look at some of his other books, they're all connected. Bateman appears, yes, they are. I've I've read a bunch of his books. Um, uh, Rules of Attraction is about Bateman's brother. Oh, was it? Yeah, and when he sees Patrick, he go. He says something like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to send spend spend Christmas with my family again." And last year, Patrick had some strange red stains on his collar. Like and that's it. Like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, blood. Like yeah. you know, like little little bits like that in it. Like they they are set in a. Um, it's a universe. In a universe. A literary, yeah, a literary. Universe. Which, which would be fine if you did that, but yeah. that's not what they did. No, they no, just fucking no, no. butcher it. I wouldn't even mind setting up a crow universe off the back of one and then it not actually touching the original or not touching the remake or or not actually having to be connected yeah you know as we said just more stories about a a revenant coming back for revenge i'm fine with i think i'd be fine with that and if yeah if you connected it to the first film ignore the other three because although i did like the makeup in the third one makeup in salvation was really cool because instead of it being face paint he, um, the lead character is executed by like electric chair, so it's like a face mask, and the burn marks on oh, the... caused by the mask are what caused the the scarring across the face. Oh, okay, and so... look really cool. It's just a shame the film was shit. Mm. But... So, he... so here's my thing with the story of the crow. I had to, I had to, I, it hurt me to do it. <laughs> I had to try and pick holes in a film I love, oh. and I had to try and think of things that maybe you would change. If you were to remake it for modern standards, maybe things are there. So one of the first things I picked up on was Devil's Night. 
Never heard of it before until then. Never, no, never right. Now I hear people mention it, and I'm like, is that a real thing, or was yeah. it the crow? In, like to me, the crow invented it. Yeah, right? I'd never heard of it. Before. So it's the night before Halloween, and they all go raping and murdering and fucking. Well, the city pretty much burns for a, for a whole night. Yeah. So like, and then obviously the original starts with Devil's Night. It starts with, um, you know, people know it's coming. They're like, oh, it's Devil's Night. It's like the Purge. Yeah. Right. They know Pretty it's much. coming. Yeah. So. They already kind of know the city is corrupt and dreadful and fucking horrible. Mm. Like, if it was me, I'm starting from scratch. Um, Devil's Night's never happened before. First, that's so basically. This you're, is you're the first like one. The first Devil's Night, and and the city's fine. Yeah, but these fuckers have been planning this for months, and maybe I'd have stuff like they're doing like voodoo shit. They're like fucking like like before they do it, they're fucking drug fueled because they hint at it in the original that there's some occultness going on with Top Dollar and Micah, and they 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 like we said, it's too short. They haven't got the time. Yeah. To, to there's the scene where they fucking done coke and the girl's dead, laying on the bed. I think we broke I think her. We broke her, and she's like burning shit in a fucking like. She burns her eye. Yeah, but she it. does, but she's like doing some a yeah. ritual or something, and they never fucking elaborate on it. So yeah. for to me, the opening of the film would be these fucking gangs, like in the Warriors, when they're all together yeah. in a dingy fucking place. There's a ritual going on, and then he he, he stands up, Top Dollar stands up, and he's like, and "Tonight is Devil's Night." I call it the second annual Devil's Night. The second, because so you literally he they did they died on the first one, and then they're now celebrating the second. The second one. the second one, and then. So to me, the flashback would be no one knew Devil's Night was coming the first time it happened. Yeah. When they die, they die in something that they couldn't even prepare for. They couldn't lock up for. They didn't know it was coming. Well, in the in the graphic novel, their their car breaks down. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They're in the street. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they end up getting. Uh... So doing that would work. Like no one knows this is coming. These people just mobs of cunts everywhere, yeah. burning shit, rioting, smashing shit up, and they're like, "What the fuck." It's come out of nowhere because when it comes to the year later, when he comes back for his vengeance, he's definitely been busy. I've been very busy. <laughs> when he comes back for the year, but these are just notes. Like yeah. uh, I'm going to put all these notes. I've got loads and loads of notes. I'm not going to get through all of them. Um, but when when I'm going to put these on the Patreon, the whole fucking list of notes. But when he comes back as the crow, mm-hmm. the city is now changed. It is now the shithole. The yeah. shithole we see it as in, in the original, yeah. but we it's become that in that year absence. Yeah. Like, it has just become a fucking dump. And because it, the gangs take gangs Because the gangs took over. over. That was their plan, was that night, yeah. this city's now ours. Yeah. And maybe you even have the police pull back a little bit. They don't even want to get fucking involved in this shit. Mm. You know, like uh, they had with the riots this year, that place called Chop, oh, yeah. where they took their block and they wanted to have this, we're a free communist state, Chop. Right. And it was like that. And then they ended up fucking raping and murdering each other and the police had to go back in there and take it. But for two weeks, the police left them there. Seattle. Seattle, yeah. yeah. You would do, maybe it's like that, but rather it be this free commune, it's a gang shithole. And the police are still there, but they're like, we can't fucking combat this. Yeah, yeah. You need the fucking army. Underfunded and shit like Underfunded, that. Underfunded, they fucking, they can't do it. Yeah. So that was, that was like where I would, that's where I was thinking, like the beginning of it is. Okay. It's the, this is the, the 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 movie takes place in the second one, but the death of Shelley happens in the first the yeah. first Devil's Night. Yeah. That's where that happens. Um, I'd still have Albright heavily involved in it, mm-hmm. um, and I've got like uh, all this all the same kind of stuff. Like killed is this is it, it, it? She they're both fucking murdered. Is rape is horrible. Yeah. Um, 
But the line I put in there was that Albright already knew Eric. And he's like, man, I fucking always liked that kid. Yeah. You know, I fucking... Because he... Like we see the story with the little with the little girl and he's like, tries to look out for her. Maybe in his career, he's older now. He's like almost retirement age when they die. Yeah. He did that for Eric back in the day. Looked after him. He, he's like, you know, come on, kid. Don't fucking sit begging or whatever. Go and sort yourself out. Maybe he's the guy who bought him his first guitar. Whatever, like, something. Yeah, yeah. So you, you add that this one officer is just fucking trying to help people. Yeah, yeah. And now he's had to witness their death. Because it hits him in a way in the movie where he's heartbroken by it. But there's no explanation for it. It's just because it was brutal. Mm. But what would really fucking break his heart is if he went, I remember this little fucker when he was 13. I haven't seen him in years. And this is where he's ended up, on the fucking slab. Like, well, in the, in the in the original, he knew he knew exactly who they were because you get that opening scene when they're in the apartment. He literally calls them straight out by name. Yeah, but they don't never they yes, never explain the connection. So for me, it's like I'd I'd explain it. Like yeah. I'd explain that they're like because the way he is yeah, well, what's the name Sarah the girl. Yeah. yeah. So the way he is with her, you just get all you need is one flashback, one flashback of him with a young Eric. Yeah. That's, that's all you need it's the fucking free yeah little scene it's like he's fucking battered you know yeah I know I knew the kid they're like when he's doing a report and they're like you're too close to the case and he's like I knew the kid he was a little runaway I don't know his family life mm. he ran away when he was fucking 12 yeah. never came home uh, you know and I, I used to see him about a little urchin and you know I knew his band was playing I knew he was like I knew he was doing something but I hadn't mm. seen him in years and now here he is fucking dead in the worst possible way you can imagine yeah so like that was that was something I was thinking on there, um, and then the same with like the the awakening of the crow. So like a year to five years passing is how I'd do it. It doesn't need to necessarily be a year. I think a year's better. Yeah. If it, even if it was longer. So like it takes a while for these powers to to raise yeah. the dead or whatever. And maybe even because there's a strange thing in in the original one. It's only been a year. People have forgotten about him. They're like, huh? Dra- Eric Draven? Who's that? Like, they try yeah. like this sort well, of a bit. The Kangs didn't even know who he was. Really. No, they I just they, they they got it, the way it works is they I think Top Dollar must have owned the building they lived in, and she sent them complaints to do with the building not being up to maintenance. So they basically sent the guys around there to. Uh, this is how we do with fucking complaints. Yeah, yeah. sort it out because they literally you see in the flash he kicks off. Did you send us these complaints? Place looks fine to me. You know that's. Uh, that's the reason why they're around there. Yeah, because then obviously, since then it's even worse. The room it's even more wreck and ruin than it was before. The yeah, building, yeah, the whole place is pretty much even still lived in, but no one's looked after that flat. It's still the mess it was when they when they died. So yeah, so again, I'm going back to my notes. So Top Dollar and his crew now run the entire fucking city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mess, but verge of apocalyptic. Yeah, it's a fucking absolute dystopian. Fucking, it's just a state violence, crime. It's part and parcel of everyday life. You're, you're either f- thieving or Trying not to get stolen from. <laughs> that's, that's that's how your fucking life is. Yeah. Um, so I've got like a, a crow lands on Shelley's grave first. Uh-huh. Because it, it's hard. Hollywood will fucking give away everything in a trailer. I would even tease the fact that she's the crow in this one. I would tease the fact that maybe it's her. Hmm. And the crow landing on her grave makes people go, oh, fuck. Maybe she is the revenant that comes back. But then it hops. Yeah. Then it hops over and, and he gets up. Um, I've got, he, he arises from the grave. Um, he, he squats down. He's like, what the fuck? And then he sees her grave in front of him. 
yeah. or next to him. He knows, instantly knows, uh, that wasn't a dream. I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. She's dead. I'm at her fucking, I'm at a grave. Yeah. Like, this is where I'm at this, like, this this is the worst thing that could ever happen to someone. After something like that, the worst thing that could happen to you is coming back to life. Well, he comes back eh, and he literally feels himself die. You know, he, he feels the pain that he yeah. would have had when he hit the floor. And that's when you start triggering. As soon as he sees the grave, these flashbacks come in. Yeah. Because the film does flashbacks really well, I think. Um, it doesn't do a lot of them, but it shows you enough. Needs to hurt as well. He needs need, to be physically yeah. pained and by need, the memories. Like a flashback of them just like fucking lazy Sunday, the sun coming through the fucking window. Yeah. Just kissing in the bed. Just happy. Yeah, yeah. And then, boom, you get that quick flash of, of him going out the window or whatever, like of him then fucking all surrounding her on the floor mm-hmm. to break his dream. Like that fucking shattering of his psyche, of, of those memories. Yeah. He, 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 even to a point, he can't even remember her now mm. without the fucking horror that comes with it. That comes with it. No matter, every time he has a happy memory, it's shattered by the fucking heartbreak. Yeah. You know, because like, again, the emotional levity. I feel it when I watch the film. But I love the fucking film. Mm. And I think some people that watched the original might not get the gravitas that came from a movie in the 90s being that way. Because there, yeah. there wasn't a lot of movies like that at the time. So, again, like, parts of it I like. Parts of it I, um, the original I do. Maybe even the full outfit of The Crow. It's not, it's not, um, what's his name? It's Jackie. He takes the jacket off the fucking. Yeah, he takes out ten times. Yeah. Like, maybe this is his, this is his stage gear. You know, this is what he wore on stage. the The look of the crow that he has—that's yeah. his band's look. That's what he looked. That's what he wore. So he returns home. He can't even look at himself in the mirror without fucking feeling the guilt of everything that happened. So he's like, "I need to become something else." Something else. So he becomes what his album cover looks like, with the poster of him on the fucking wall, whatever it is that he he becomes that because yeah. that's his avatar. That was his stage avatar. That's his avatar for revenge as well. So that's what I was feeling with that. Um, so before, before, before I need to let you speak. Um, <laughs> so at that point, I go, you know, flashback with the band and the makeup. Uh, he's singing, singing songs about being a runaway, as I mentioned. Yeah. It's already, it's already come up. Um, and, you know, he's 14 and uh, his father died. You get this stuff. There was an abusive boyfriend. The abusive boyfriend I wrote down would be played by Michael Wincott. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. The guy was, his mum's big fucking pregnant belly. She's fucking like being abused. And he's like, I'm out of here. This piece of shit fucking stepdad. I'm out. And that's what made him run away. And you get a little flashback of that. And I just put Wincott in it because it'd be funny. Like and it would, and people and it's one of those moments where people be like, oh fuck! Like they'd mark out for it, right? See, just the quick, see, the quick cameo of Michael Wincott, seeing him in it, there. yeah. So like everything I've said so far, how do you feel about that? Like their changes, but when I was writing my changes down, I wanted them to look like, to feel like they could fit within the realm of what we've seen in the original. I didn't want it to feel like you're just throwing the original away or doing a step by step remake of the original. But I, I like it. It's, you know, it's 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 still got its its true. You know, it still kind of stays faithful to the to the source material if you're going from the the original film. Yeah. With your own like up to date and kind of you've obviously got you know you're this 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 sort of like remix not going to be 
an hour and a half, hour and 40. You're looking at two, two and a half hours. You've got this extra room for character character development, a bit of backstory to... Because it's all the originals. For me, it's all the originals message. Just a little, half hour. Yeah. More. And maybe you could have fleshed out some of like why people care about each other or why people give a shit. Yeah. Um, Even stuff like um, with Albright, like being put back on a beat. It's a one line. It's one line. Oh, have you demoted again? You're a beat cop. Yeah. Beat cop. And and then the chick when he's chatting up the the, the black police officer in there, she's like, "Do you remember what happened last time?" Yeah. Like they're throwaway lines. Even the stuff about his wife leaving him, it's just him in his pants. And he's like, "You still got your hat on?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it's still just a throwaway that his yeah. wife had left him in that year. And then there's no why. There's no. It's left to you to imagine. And you, are, we all know why. He got obsessed. He got obsessed with the fucking case. Well, yeah, he admits it. Yeah, that's all that. But yeah, you get you get that bit of information from Albright because he literally admits he's like, you know, I put my beat where I wasn't where I wasn't wanted anymore, and then I got demoted, got obsessed. Like you said, he got obsessed with the with solving the case of who the fuck actually killed these kids. So now I'm on the part where the vengeance starts. Yeah, you um, have, are you having the makeup exactly the same, or are you changing anything? Slightly? I'd probably keep it the same. Personally, yeah. I think the makeup's cool as fuck. Stitchy up and down across the eyes and yeah, across the yeah. lips. Yeah, I, I think it's cool as fuck. I don't think I'd play with the look of that mm-hmm. at all. As I said, it was his, if if you made it his stage yeah. outfit, like you could you could maybe change it because now he's a fucking revenant. He's not as good as like, as he was. He hasn't mm-hmm. got the materials or whatever. It's like yeah. maybe it's more grungy, a little bit like Ledger's Joker's version of the face paint. It's not someone who looks like they've spent a lot of fucking time on it. Oh, you know? like, smears <laughs> and yeah. You know, maybe you do a bit of that, but um, so first thing he does is he goes back to the old club they used to play in back in the day, which mm-hmm. is in there. You see a bit of that in the original film. Yeah. Um, the uh, and he's just in the rafters oh, like right. Sting. I've got him in the rafters ah, like Sting. Just, sitting. just watching. And then as the band finish, boom, he's playing the guitar up in the rafters. And all the people were like, what the fuck is going on like up there? This is what I've got in my head, right? You, that's uh, that's from I think that's in City uh, Stairway to Heaven. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, uh, like so I've got like, but then I know I've I've seen all those. So when I'm thinking the Crow, yeah. And obviously I only watched it last night, but I'm thinking of other things. I'm like that'd yeah. be a fucking a cool thing. That's a warning. Then fuckers go. I know that song. Yeah. I know that song. Where the fuck's it coming from? Yeah. Yeah. You know. So they because he used to play there. He used to play. Like, what you could add to that is literally what like what they did in Stairway to Heaven. And he plays it, and it's his band now a year on after he's died, still going without him. Ah, that fucking... That's, that's good. That, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've got that. And then I've got it that, like, um, they recognise it. They they can't remember... The gang, the, the gang members are like, I fucking know this. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd emphasise more on the chick, the, Micah, going... Yeah. Where the fuck? Like, she's really... She's freaked out by it. Yeah. Um, so then you get flashbacks here... To Micah as a child, looking up at her mama, her mum, uh, back's turned. She's humming a song that's very similar to the one he's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mum has got strange fucking candles burning. She's doing some ritual shit, the mum, right. when she's a kid. Then you go back, you go back. He's going after the gang. Um, I've kind of got that as the same. He fucking hunts these fuckers down one by one. When they separate, so they're not together. Yeah. They're always on their own. Mom, some of them are more freaked out by the fucking weird music playing mm-hmm. maybe one of them goes that's Dave that's fucking and maybe he goes to confront the bandmates yeah. afterwards and that and he shows up and protects them and they're all fucking freaked out because yeah. they're fucking you know like they're like he's alive so, something along the lines of that so then 
you get to this point where people are going, what is this symbol he's leaving around? This fucking crow symbol. Mm-hmm. Top Dollar's getting stressed out. Like he does. He's like, this fucking freak, this fucking whatever, whatever, he, whatever he thinks. He's like, something's here. So again, you get to, you get Micah going, well, um, my mum used to tell me stories of the Risen, like of these these voodoo, like whatever magic, some magic shit. Because we've already put in that before they did the first Devil's Night, they were up to something. Yeah. Right? And she's like, um, a creature carried from the land of the dead by the crow. Um, her mother was into witchcraft. She, she tells him all that. She tells him all this stuff. Like that's how she got into it herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, you know, the crow brings him back to life because the risen must do something to return to, to return to the underworld. He must finish his quest. Mm-hmm. Whoever this risen is must finish his quest. Um, and then you maybe you get a flashback of the mum telling her this as she's a little kid, and that's it. You you move on from it. So they looking they look that this is a powerful thing. Uh, and I've got it that Top Dollar goes, how do I get this for myself? <laughs> Makes sense. Because you, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you at that point? How do I get these powers for myself? Yeah. And basically it's like, if you kill the crow that is with him, you can use the powers yourself. And as we said in the original, there's like a scene where she tries to catch it. They never explain what that's all about. Mm-hmm. So you have it where that is. So now you'd have it like they lay a fucking trap. The last gang member is left. They lay a trap to get him in there like, like they kind of do when they're all around the table yeah. and they shoot at him. But this time they know they go after the crow. They go after the, the, the actual animal and not him. Uh-huh. He comes in. He gets fucked up by the trap. They fucking kill it. They, they kill the crow. He collapses. They chuck him out window. He's done. They're like, now we've got to eat its heart, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. So now now you have Top Dollar being Mr. Big Balls, fucking fighting fighting people, like whatever the fuck. He's, he's now got some of that power. Not mm. quite full mm-hmm. because it's not the same, yeah. but he's got some of that. Um, and it's at this point that Albright is the one who finds him on the floor mm-hmm. and he's fucked. He's like almost in a coma. He takes him home. Maybe you get some more flashbacks about him looking after him as a kid. They go back and forth. Uh, they go on a tear, the gang. They're almost unstoppable. They both eat the fucking heart. Both mm-hmm. micro, they both got slight crow powers. Yeah. They go mad. Um, and then Draven comes back because the crow returns. You can't kill it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a living creature. Yeah. You've killed a ghost. You've killed, it doesn't exist. Comes back to him. He gets his powers back. Mm-hmm. So now he has to go after them, but they're a little bit more leveled up. He ain't going after mortal humans anymore. He's going after souped up humans. Souped up humans, right? And the reason I, the only reason I thought of this stuff is because it has to combat modern superhero shit, and people might go, "It's too one-sided." You've got a powerful person going after a gang. It's too one-sided. He's a Mary Sue. They shoot him. He gets up. There's no consequences. There's no this. Because some people can't understand the fucking revenge story. Well, this <laughs> is not. Know, right? So I was trying to think, well, you combat that because now you've made them equal or whatever. Yeah. Um, so while this is going on, Draven rises for the second time with Albright. There's all this stuff here. We get flashbacks to Top Dollar's harsh upbringing. Um, his father and the Grange were... Mm friends right yeah so that's why snipes is a bit older and he still work top dollars become the new top dollar his dad was one before his yeah. dad was the leader before top dollars a nickname not yeah. a uh, actual name and then when you re- so yeah so we see this 
he's, he's taught to be a criminal by the Grange mostly. The Grange is the surrogate dad mm -hmm. for him. His real dad's died. His real dad got murdered in whatever. The Grange has taken him under his ring. And now you're going to be the new top dollar, son. You're, you're the new top dollar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's, he's just been taught to be a, a violent, horrible cunt. Uh, his mum's his mum's already dead at this point. Is his mum, mm -hmm. and he's got M Micah with him because, as people don't know this, that is his sister, half sister, <laughs> or half sister. So now he's showing it's his half sister. That's why when she's saying my mum to him, mm -hmm. right, she's it's not his mum. I remember when my mum used to say blah. I yeah. remember when my mum used to do this. Yeah, um, and it is here that. As we're getting the scenes of Draven getting out the bed, the powers are coming back to him, he's mm -hmm. going for revenge, that you get the reveal that Top Dollar's dad is the abusive father that drove Eric away. Boy, yeah. And that the pregnant mum that was being beaten, that's Micah she was pregnant with. Hmm. So you wouldn't have Micah as Chinese in this one then? No, I don't think there's any reason for that. No, I guess not. To be honest, like... Other than maybe, but then maybe she could be because we don't know what the mum was. Mum could have been one part something or yeah. whatever, you know. So now you've made it this family affair. These people are bound by blood. That's why when they ate the crow pals and shit, actually worked. Yeah, they've just all forgotten it. Micah had a brother who ran away before she was born. Yeah, Top Dollar's dad used to beat him, and he was probably fucking four himself. You know, he was a kid. Like they don't, they don't know each other. They don't. But they're still in the same city. And this shit happens with people. You hear these weird stories of like mm -hmm. people being adopted and then meeting the fucking brother or something of who they were adopted, but they never knew. They work in the same building and shit. Yeah, yeah. You even have these horrible stories where they end up in a couple. You've, you've <laughs> seen that, that this stuff super, happens. Super, super Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Like, so you have this stuff like that. So then he comes back from, he goes through the Grange first, Wesley Snipes. You're going to get a decent fight scene out of that. He fucks him up. Mm -hmm. when he gets to the end of the end of the fight with the Grange the Grange tells Draven who the fucking top dollar and Micah are because right. he knows he remembers him as a kid yeah, he's yeah. the only one who's fucking alive who remembers it that's fair and he just fucking confesses it to him so we move towards the fi final battle mm -hmm. because you've got to have that showdown and it's the same it's the graveyard scene um, when he gets to the graveyard top dollar's pi pissing on Shelley's tombstone because he's a prick of, yeah. co of course he is he's pissing on a tombstone um michael's there with a shovel in hand they're like we're gonna dig her up we're gonna fucking dig her up like like they're just they're they they're Sadistic. saying that they're gonna do something else. they've got another magic trick they've got another fucking occult thing they're gonna do mm -hmm. with her body because their powers are wearing off mm -hmm. um and he fucking eats them <laughs> like i mean but the bit I the bit I change is the thirty hours of pain bit mm -hmm. he does to Micah. Okay. When she's like on his back or trying to he's trying to fight yeah. both of them, he does it to her. So he still takes that from Albert then. Yeah. And, uh, uses it. So he still takes that and uses it, but he puts that into her. Yeah. Right. She fucking collapses, screaming on the floor. He then kills. Top dollar. Top dollar. She's gone. Micah's gone. Mm. But she's insane now. Yeah. That's good. That's it. She's never going to be able to, she's, she's going to be in a fucking institution or something. Right. Um, he falls down on Shelley's grave. Mm -hmm. Crow lands on his knee. The dream shit starts to happen. Yeah. 
the crow turns into her hand and she's like come on it's time to go and then he looks at her and she said who did you, who did you think that was who do you think was powering you this whole time oh, okay it was it was our love that was they they're wrong like the crow is not um it's love it's love between people that brings you back it's not actually a sentient be it's a strong bond that's separated in this horrible way yeah so then he fucks off to heaven with her or wherever to the afterlife yeah. for fucking happiness and that's when i have the cure come in at that moment then at the end credit roll Mm-hmm. And then you can do whatever. Then, then, you, if you want to bring Micah back for something in the future, if you want to do whatever it is you want to do with, but you've ended his fucking story, Draven's story. You've ended yeah. it, and you've given him the final fucking rest that he deserves as a character, and you've hit home more on what that is. And then uh, the reason why I put all this lore in: what is the crow? What does it do? What? 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 Why is there magic and occult stuff in it? Is the world building stuff? They're never going to be happy with just one fucking film. But if you give them enough lore, they can do whatever the fuck they want with the next one. Well, you could have in like in a sequel where Mike is in an institution and say there's like another copper who who knows the current like Revenant and, know, and has heard or a doctor or something like that has heard the ravings of a patient who talks about the uh, the crow and the, the, the white face paint and then literally she goes to fucking... Yeah, she goes to see Micah, and then she explains, and there's your tie-in to the first film, and, and that's all you need. You never need, you never need her to come back. You never need her, like you know, her knowledge is probably half of its ra- it's, dr- it's ramblings now. It's yeah. insane ramblings, um, and that's what I like. And I thought quite hard about a lot of this shit when I was when I was writing it out when I was watching it because I was like, I was trying to think of the way they fuck movies up today, and I was like, they're gonna fuck this up. They, I don't trust them. They're going to fuck it up. So what can I put out there in the world as a podcast for people to listen to Yeah. where it, when they fuck it up, I can go, I fucking told you so. <laughs> or... Yep, day, dated such a date. Or as we grow and, you know, we, we've hit the charts in, in Japan and we, we, we've we've hit charts in, you know, uh, Czech Republic, you know, in places like that, podcast charts. What by the time they get making the movie, are we big enough that this is going to be a trending thing that they can actually go? What's this about? Oh, that's actually a good idea. You're right. Yeah. Maybe we should scrap our bullshit. There you go. Cop, cop, copyrighted the 15th of December 2020. Yeah, this is our crow. This is our crow pitch. This, this, that sounds crow pitch for <laughs> what, how, how the film should be made. To be honest with you, make remaking it's never been even in my mind. Yeah, of, I don't. Ca- of, I don't care. Of right? How, of how I don't think. I think certain films should just never be touched. Yes, many of them. Many movies should yeah. never be touched. Well, yeah, you see that with a lot of the remakes they're doing now. Yeah. It's like, why are you touching this? Why do you need to, like, some, some, you know, well, was it like the Fantastic Four reboot? The only reason they made it is so they could keep the rights to it. Yeah. But you, you didn't want to make it. You no, you, so you made a shit to, movie because you, just you, so you could keep it. You could keep it. And that, a lot of this stuff with this Crow stuff will be that because the rights have bounced around so often because yeah. they haven't bothered making another one. You, get, you think you get so many years before the rights come up for renewal and if you don't renew it, then someone else could buy them off you, which I yeah. think is what's happened with whatever fucking company this is that's made. I'll put on ma- multiple times. I wish I had the money to buy it. Finance. I'd buy it and sit on it. Just sit on and it. say none of you are having it. Yeah. And then every now and then make like a 30 minute short. <laughs> like, like, just made up over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just some 30 minute short. The some crow bang. members yeah. getting chased through the bluebells by some guy in the, in the face paint. And that's it. That's your fucking short so you yeah. keep the rights. Yeah, I mean, there's some elements that I've seen in the in like some of the other books I quite like the idea of. Like there's... Um, 
I've literally never. I just couldn't even come up with an idea for a remake because, unless I, the only thing I would do really is I'd follow the more the graphic novel style. So I'd make it a lot more low key. Yeah. On how it on how it is, it doesn't need to be like, you know, top dollar doesn't need to be this control like this pretty much ruler of a city. He doesn't. Uh, you know. He, it, maybe he's just a scumbag. He's just a random fucking scumbag. Yeah. One of many in that city, but that night this scumbag. Fucked you over. All for like, you know. For me, all five of them have to be together. There's, I don't, I don't need him to be a massive leader. I just need it. Just has to be the five of them because that's all it's about. Yeah, is literally his revenge on the five guys that killed him and his girlfriend. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, using those guys as your main focus rather than having all this background noise is a good way of doing the movie. Much like bringing in some of the other aspects from other crow media, whether it be TV shows other films or books there's a lot there that they can draw from yeah because other movies do it other movies will look at law and things so when they do it with movies or do it with other i well not of ip sorry like stories books mm-hmm. and little other side movies yeah. there are always going to be some good ideas involved in that oh stuff. yeah you can take bits and pieces from everything and just kind yeah. of bring it make it one big decent sort of film but let's just leave it where it is yeah it doesn't yeah. need to be touched we don't need to remake the crow we're 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 good we're we're fine with not remaking the crow. In fact, we're better off without remaking it. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's it. That's our that's our little mm. episode on the crow. I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you haven't seen it and you've been listening to this, we've just pretty much ruined everything for you. Yeah, but the, I don't think anyone's going to click on this if they haven't seen no. the crow. That, that yeah. would to me that would seem a bit strange if they hadn't. Oh, I've never seen the crow. I'll listen to that episode. <laughs> See if it's any good, and then I'll yeah. then I'll watch it. Maybe I'll record a little bit at the beginning of this. So retroactively people are going to go what were we at the beginning because you've already heard it yeah right if you haven't seen the crow press pause watch it and come back yeah, that, come, yeah. come back then listen to our discussion on it yeah so yeah I, i'm sam and i've been with scott today it's been a great little discussion on the crow hopefully we can do more of these little movie ones like this because they're nice oh, yeah. they're nice little things for little mini episodes i say mini episodes about two hours <laughs> it's a it's a huge thing we're having to talk about it's not a small little movie that people don't pay attention to it's something with a huge fan base mm-hmm. and we hope as we look at people who are in that fan base and you interact with us and let's know what you think of this and there's a few people that have said oh i'm looking forward to the crow one i fucking like the crow um so i'll give a shout out to them so it's uh, soldier first class he was like oh hell yeah she's doing a crow episode i was oh. like yeah tim who, who signed up to patreon today our new patreon member tim i know uh, he's looking forward to this uh cory duke who asked a question about Sting. He was like, you're going to mention Sting and mention Sting, so there's a shout out to you. Yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy what we have to say about this iconic, to me it's a masterpiece. Oh yeah, no questions asked. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say about what we have to say. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much.